tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. Our free phone number won't cost you to make a call, and Ali is producing today. Coming up on the show this morning, former TD um, Seamus Healy throws his hat back in the ring. I'll be speaking to Seamus live in studio in just a few moments' uh, time. A controversial stairs at the Cup and Saucer in Tipperary Town. We'll chat about that. Uh, changes to nitrates could see farmers reducing herd numbers. We have some more reaction to the rejigging of the speed limits across the country. And the wolf tones, they're still in the news and uh, they're still uh, causing some uh, controversy amongst our listeners. Um, Listeners offer their advice uh, on this week's Agony Aunt letters uh, regarding college. We have Muriel Cuddy of Marito 8020 with us on the health slot. We have a taste of this week's Down Your Way programme. And we'll hear about a fundraiser in memory of a Nina woman who lost her battle with cancer last year. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now a quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today and it looks uh, that uh, RTE is back making headlines today. The Irish Daily Mail telling us that there's alarm within government at the scale of the bailout requested by RTE and the pace of reform uh, with deepening concerns over the drop in numbers paying the TB licence. Also much uh, coverage across the newspapers today of the Rolling Stones because they have a brand new studio album due out in a few weeks' uh, time. But the uh, Irish Daily Mail telling us that their combined age is 235. And there's a picture of uh, Ronnie, Mick and Keith on the front of the mail today looking rather well, I have to say, when you consider the age group there. Um, The Irish Times, and they're leading with that story that Dublin Airport operator, the DA, has been told its bid to buy land between the airport runways is not acceptable and therefore rejected in a move raising the stakes in a sale critical to its uh, future. Also on the Times today, a new means-tested child benefit tier could take more than 40,000 children out of poverty and that's according to research published by the Economic and Social Research Institute and again RTE making the front of the times there to the uh, Irish Examiner and their lead story again featuring RTE this time it's saying RTE must prove it deserves a 55.5 million euro bailout before any extra money is allocated and that's according to uh, Leo Varadkar also rather uh, disturbing story on the examiner today that uh, more than a quarter of Irish 16-year-old boys are gambling for money and many of them are struggling to control it, feel the need to bet more money or are lying about how much they are gambling. And finally, the Irish Independent, and again it's the RTE story, but this time it's uh, speaking about the staff. The RTE staff have been left shocked after it emerged that its top executives' pay rose by 10% last year while the broadcaster recorded 
a 2.8 million euro deficit. Now the former executive team took a 10% pay cut in 2020, but it was reversed from the end of August last year. And a spokesperson for the station said that the pay cut had been an interim cost-cutting measure. So that's a peek at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to uh, comment on any of that, again, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, the text and WhatsApp is 83 311 Now, former independent TD, Seamus Healy has confirmed that he will contest the next Doyle election and he joins me in studio. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, How are you? Um, morning. I, When you came into studio, I said congratulations and you said for what? Because, of course, it's very early days here with the, with this. Um, why did you make the decision? Was it based on the Electoral Commission and uh, the, uh, the possible change in the constituencies? <laughs> Uh, well, I suppose uh, the first thing to say, friend, is that I, th- I think when I spoke to you uh, back in February of 2020 in the hall in Thurles, um, uh, having failed to be re-elected, I think I said to you that uh, we'll sit back, dust ourselves down and uh, carry on. And of course, that's what we've done. We've keep, kept our offices open. We've done, we're doing clinics around the county uh, and we're absolutely available uh, to the public on a day-to-day basis. Um, so... Uh, Obviously, the new uh, commission report on the Doyle constituency uh, is important. Uh, I think it's welcome uh, because I believe that the previous situation of uh, five uh, for the full county uh, was untenable and taking that together with the uh, abolition of Sertabrary County Council and the uh, uh, amalgamation with North Tipperary has meant that we in the south of the county are effectively playing second second fiddle uh, to North North Tipperary uh, and Nina and it also has left a situation where there's no resident TD uh, in the east in the east of South Tipperary the town of Clonmel 20,000 people, one of the biggest towns uh, inland towns in the country uh, Carrick on Shore Feathert, Mulnohone Ballangarry, Killinall, all up there to the southeast, all with no resident TD, uh, and that that situation has arisen uh, because of the five seat constituency and because of the amalgamation uh, of North and South Tipperary, which was forced upon us uh, by the um, Finnegan Labour Coalition. Uh, so. Uh, Definitely the two three-seaters, uh, one for the north and one for the south, uh, certainly is a better... Uh, is a better uh, I, I presume you would, have liked, you would have liked, though, to have seen um, areas of Waterford around Carrick and uh, Clonmel into that mix as well, Seamus. Yeah, I think, I, I think the, the general instruction to the Commission would be that county boundaries should be uh, maintained, if at all possible. But there are, there's always exceptions to rules like that um, and um, I think I said to you just before we come on air, came on air I've been an, act, an activist since uh, 1965 uh, worked on Sean Tracy's um, election campaign that year and actually the constituency back then was south, south to Brary West Waterford and it went right down to the bridge in, in Yall uh, so there's a history there of part of Waterford being part of the South Tipperary 
West Waterford constituency mm. and in more recent times um, you know out to Kilmanahan on the Clonmel side and to uh, and, and also the Waterford side of Carrick Beg have been part uh, of the of the constituency uh, and they're naturally contiguous to Clonmel they do their business in Clonmel they go to school in Clonmel they find their entertainment in Clonmel so I believe that it would, it would have been natural for, for that slice a small portion I think uh, the, the last uh, election that they were in, I think we had about two and a half thousand uh, electors in that area. But you, you benefited greatly well, from I did, that. I, I did particularly well in, yeah. in, in, that, in that area. Well, you're, you're from, from what? Yeah, yeah. I was born yeah. in Scrooge yeah. just across the river. Um, and obviously we were, from, we, were, we were from that area and from the town here. Um, so I would have liked certainly to have seen that uh, come in. It would be, it would, I, mm. I would have hoped, been. Uh, beneficial to me, but look, um, the commission is uh, was uh, is a statutory body now. Uh, it's independent, and it has come up with this configuration. Uh, and um, I think it's uh, you know I think we have to say it's reasonable. Uh, and as I said, particularly in in the situation where we have lost South Tipperary County Council, we've lost Clonmel Corporation, we've lost Carry Cashel and Tipperary Town Councils. Uh, in that mm. situation. Uh, this the three seat constituency in the south is a better configuration uh, so that people can be properly represented and i and I certainly hope that will mean that in the future that we will have a resident TZ in the southeast of the, of county of south Tipperary, uh you know the mm. Clonmel Carrick and Shore electoral area. Is it, is it kind of interesting though that uh, the electoral co- commission uh, deemed it necessary to break up the county uh, to north and south and we still have a local authority that's looking after all of the county. It's, it's a bit ridiculous really. It, it, it? it is absolutely ridiculous and uh, We've always been opposed to that because it is a diminution of democracy. Mm. There's no doubt about that. Um, North North Tip is in a different economic zone. It's in a different uh, health zone. It's in a different tourist zone uh, than the south of the county. Uh, There is a natural division uh, and has Mm. going way, way back. There's been a natural division, uh, North Riding and uh, South Riding. Uh, and um, uh, I, I believe and uh, certainly would be part of my uh, campaign programme uh, to see the reintroduction of South Tipperary County Council and town councils across the, not just across Tipperary, but across the country. Because I believe we lost, seriously lost democratic input uh, into the, to the system by the abolition of those uh, councils. We now have yeah. no, we have n- now no independent author- elected authority speaking on behalf of Clonmel, uh, speaking on behalf of Carrick on Shore, Cashel or Tipperary Town. Uh, and I think that, that is a fundamental diminution of democracy and needs to be changed and changed urgently. You, you've always been associated with hospital services and we'll speak about that in just a, a little while if that's okay, Seamus, but also indeed the Right to Water campaign and look at the disastrous situation around uh, water for, uh, around water over the last while. Uh, abso- what are you making of that? Uh, absolutely, Fran. And in fact, just as I came into the studio, I got, I got a call from a local school who, t- who tells me that uh, They've had no water for the last four days. No communication, absolutely uh, no alternative arrangements put in place for 400 children. Um, 
there was a meeting in the in in uh, the Talbot Hotel there uh, yeah. ten days ago, uh, and I said at that meeting a brief a, a brief uh, statement. I said, look, uh, no disrespect, gentlemen, but. Irish water should never have been established and it now should be abolished and the water services should be handed back to the local authorities. And I uh, I, I am worried that uh, with the upcoming transfer, complete transfer of the services from the county councils to Irish water that we will be in even more, more significant difficulty. And we now have a situation where... Uh, Irish water want to bring in hard water from the Monroe wells into the centre yeah. into the centre of town. The, the the people north of the bypass, north of the um, Frank Drone Road, uh, they have been putting up with uh, this type of water for the last number of years. They have been replacing all their white uh, goods, uh, dishwashers, washing machines, showers. Uh, some of them have been putting in treatment systems, costing a thousand euros. Uh, and then on ongoing maintenance uh, of those. Um, Irish water has been an absolute disaster uh, and I have to say that the um, commitments given at that meeting in the Talbot Hotel recently in relation to uh, f- future consultation, uh, I simply do not accept that that will happen. We've been asking for that since uh, Irish water was uh, established uh, and it has never happened. Now, This is particularly important uh, for the business people of the town and particularly small businesses. Um, You you end up in a a situation where there's no indication of when uh, a water outage is going to happen. Uh, People are not notified. Um, Business people are not notified. Householders are not notified. Other utilities, for instance, the ESB, can tell you in advance, maybe a week, 10 days in advance, uh, that there will be an outage for a particular length of time. Uh, Irish yes. water well, are simply not fit We found on this programme, Seamus, I'm not, I'm not sure if you heard some of our coverage of it, but they didn't seem to accept that there's an issue. And that's, that's pivotal, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you need to accept there's uh, a problem here. That, and, that, and that is obviously the first uh, priority. If I mean, if you, if you think you're right... Uh, uh, then there's nothing else to be done. But the fact of the matter is, everybody in this mm. town, and just not in Clonmel, uh, it's all over. Carrigonshore, yeah. the Dundrum scheme, the Galtee scheme. And I'm not sure if you heard the national coverage this morning, but uh, the irony of Ishgairn coming out and telling um, mm. telling people that they need to conserve mm. water and look after water. Mm. Well, we have leaks everywhere. and we have Absolutely. Water. And, and, and um, the... the I mean, the, the town of Clonmel has suffered badly over the last number of years. Um, you know, things like, for instance, the closure of Kickham Barracks has taken €8 million Euros out of the local economy. Uh, and and uh, small businesses in particular are struggling at the moment, cost of living uh, crisis and all that on top of it. Uh, and th- this... Um, the, the difficulties that, uh, which are now almost on a daily basis with Irish water are going to drive some of those businesses to the wall and that is absolutely unacceptable and it, the, the, the thing is it needn't happen um, Irish water uh, as I said at the meeting should be abolished and handed back the water services handed back to the local authorities at least if that was the case we would have somebody uh, and some place to go talk to officials uh, and uh, and at least have something done. 
and have a uh, there is no understanding by Irish Water of the necessity for consultation with local people uh, and that's the key uh, to having uh, a reasonable service for people and acceptable services for uh, for people uh, and it's an issue that is affecting every household and every business in the town and I dread to to um, uh, I, I dread to see what will happen if the hard water from Monroe is brought into the rest of the town because it will create serious difficulties the, for small the businesses. Other, the other big issue and a big talking point on this programme for as long back as I can remember, health services, you have a special interest in that having been hospital administrator for many years and in your political career as well, fighting for these various mm. services. Is that still the uppermost thing for you, really? Is that still... Well, it's, it's, it's a key. It's a, it's a key priority, uh, f- not just for me, but for every family right across South Tipperary uh, and, in, and indeed across the country. Now, I, I believe that we need a very strong, a very articulate and a, and a common sense uh, voice in Dáil Éireann, uh, you know, speaking on behalf of South, uh, South Tipperary. Uh, and my modus operandi always has been uh, to do a detailed um, investigation of the issue, uh, do a detailed presentation of the issue, br- and fundamentally and, and uh, most importantly, bring as many organisations and as many people, including politicians uh, of all hues, on board, uh, uh, and then presenting your case publicly and um, privately to politicians uh, and to uh, executives uh, in whatever department you're dealing with. But I think the the, um, the the inclusion of all the various interests is key. I'm not interested in, in upstaging any uh, other politician or individual. What I'm interested in is uh, delivering for the people of South Tipperary and I believe the best way to do that is to take everybody on board, include everybody. But politics and that, and that has failed. happened. They've that failed ha- the people of mm. caricature particularly. Yeah. I mean, when but you think of what happened with St. Bridget's... A- and, a- absolutely. You know. I... I, I uh, I just want to say that I, I think that that strategy that I've just outlined has worked in the past. It worked in relation to uh, the attempt to uh, transfer the service from South Tipperary General Hospital. Yeah. It worked in the um, situation where we we got a uh, jigsaw on board. Uh, obviously, there's a more, more outreach facility needed there. Um, so why, I have to why say, didn't it I have work with say, St. Bridget's? I, I, uh, it, I have to say that um, the difficulty with St. Bridges uh, is that, unfortunately, we've come uh, up against a minister um, who has even upstaged the senior minister. We did get a commitment from the senior minister that the hospital uh, would reopen. Uh, However, within... um, uh, month to six weeks of the current minister taking office uh, she uh, not alone closed St. Bridget's and Carrick on shore but also uh, reversed the commitment to um, to uh, in, to build a, a 20 bedded acute psychiatric unit to replace St. Michael's um, we, we need as I said, a strong and an articulate voice uh, in Dublin fighting on those issues. And I believe that the 10,000 signatures that we got in that campaign uh, 
you know, are still active uh, and in in the future we will be able to reverse that decision. So, so tell when, me about that then, because you, you will be an independent voice, uh, Seamus. I mean, who will you align yourself with or how effective can you possibly be well, if you are lucky enough yeah, to get elected? Well, um, I, I think, as I've said, my op- modus operandi always has been uh, to do a detailed uh, investigation and presentation of your case, uh, bring other people uh, and onboard people or uh, organisations who are involved in the issues and other politicians. Uh, present your case publicly and privately, uh, keep the pressure on and in in many cases uh, there will be a necessity uh, for people power and I think that strategy has proven successful in the past. As I said, it proved successful with Tipperary University Hospital. We were the only uh, community in the country which was able to stop the transfer of mm. services. Uh, well, it was people ne- power. Ne- I remember the marches. Power. I mean, people got um, out there, you now, know. I mean, I called the founding meeting of that yeah. uh, Saver Acute Hospital Service Committee uh, and we were inclusive from day one. We included everybody on that committee, mm. uh, not just politicians, but all uh, community organisations, trades councils, chambers of commerce, uh, sports organisations. And that's the key to winning uh, campaigns like that. Get everybody on board. Be inclusive. Uh, don't mm. be talking about upstaging anybody else. But for the, to deliver... The, to the deliver. political landscape has changed considerably, though, as you know, Seamus. And is it not fair to say that Sinn Féin would have eaten into your vote. Well, they certainly did in, in, in the last general election. There's no question about that. Uh, but look, as I said... And that you, momentum is still there, is it not? Well, there's definitely a momentum there. Uh, but I, I, I think that uh, the new configuration of the constituencies uh, certainly gives uh, uh, an independent like myself, uh, particularly uh, based in the in the Clonmel area and in the southeast of the county, uh, uh, are a very good opportunity uh, you know, to go before the people again, uh, and as as I've said already, I intend to do that. Um, the the, um, the 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 what has happened, uh, you know, in the last number of years, um, effectively has devastated South Tipperary. There's no question that the towns of Clanmel and Carrick on Shore, the southeast of the county mm. in particular, but also the other towns, Cashel and Cairn Tip, you know, ha- have lost out uh, and are playing second second fiddle uh, to to North Tipperary. And that would be a key issue in my campaign. We need a resident TD in this end of the county in Clanmel to speak for all this area um, and indeed. The rest of the South of and, and just finally, but before I let you go, point, can, can I put it to you in terms of the coverage? And I don't mean this in the least to be ageist, but I find it interesting that in all the coverage of your decision, yeah. it, it mentions your age. Does yeah. does that trouble you at all that people are pointing out to your your, your age? Yeah, well. I, as I said to you earlier, uh, Fran, uh, I've been an activist since I was 15 years of age. Uh, I've been an activist uh, when I was unelected and when I was elected and I'll be uh, an activist uh, until the day I pass on uh, because that's uh, that's my my I, I have a belief uh, that uh, ordinary people low and middle income families uh, and indeed uh, South Tipperary are entitled to a fair crack of the whip and I will believe believe that and I will work for that uh, until the end. Uh, and certainly um, I think that um, 
the current situation that we have in South Tipperary is not good for democracy. Uh, we we have lost out significantly in both the um, in both the constituency, uh, the five seat constituency, and the right. abolition of the town councils and the county council. All right, I must leave it at that. But uh, lots of messages of congratulations coming into you and wishing you well uh, as well. And we want to wish you the best of luck too, Seamus. Good to see you today. Thanks very much. Thank you, Thank you very you. much, Frank. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Some breaking news this morning. Electric Ireland is a cut electricity and gas prices from November. Electric Ireland has announced a 10% cut in electricity prices and a 12% reduction in gas charges on the changes will take place from November 1st, I'm told, and will benefit the utility providers. 1.1 million uh, customers uh, out there. So some good news, some good news this morning. Uh, as I say, a lot of people on to congratulate uh, Seamus Healy and wish him the very, very best indeed for uh, the future. 0833113311. Now, there's been a huge uh, reaction online to the erection of stairs at the famous cup and saucer point on the Tipperary Hills. The wooden stairs has uh, recently been added as part of works to improve access around the popular walkway on the hills. But some locals claim that the stairs, which have been designed in a normal a Norman style, even uh, in keeping with the history of the area, looks cheap and is an eyesore. Well, our reporter Alison Highland walked the hills yesterday to ask locals what they thought. What do you make of the backlash towards it? Well, it's kind of understandable because it doesn't look nice. It looks awful, actually. Really? It's gaudy looking, like. You know what they're telling you now? That it's in the Norman style, which is, you know, historically yeah. that's the right uh, yeah. way it should look, but you don't think it looks I good? I don't know. I just think it looks out of place. It's a, and even as bad as the ordinary steps that you walk up along, but yeah. if the rails at both sides, that's what makes it... Because it sticks out all over the whole place. Like, okay. No matter where you go on the hills, you can see this thing. I know it is... I know some people online kind of had concerns that when it gets wet, it's going to be very slippy. Is that something you'd have concerns about? Yeah, well, I mean, it was always, always, always when people went up, there was just a pathway up there. Yeah. So, you see, like the pathway they made up there, an ordinary pathway, yeah. why didn't they make something like that, just widen the pathway and put thermic on it or something, or yeah. just leave stones in it, whatever? Are you surprised with the backlash towards it? Well, I'm not now looking at it. At first, I said to myself, I, I didn't know, was that the finished thing or something? Or was it just something for themselves to get up and down yeah. to the top doing work or something there? But I'm not surprised now because it, it's just completely out of place with all the rest of the scenery around it, yeah. you know. It just looks out of place to me. Do you think it looks cheap like? It does. Yeah. It's something that was just thought of at the last minute and just slapped to get some wood up there, you know. It's a stairway to heaven, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> if there were not a few flights on it, you'd be going in that direction. Would you be a regular walker here? I would in the mornings, yes. I come for an hour every morning. 
How do you feel yeah. that? I know you haven't seen the stairs I haven't yourself. Really seen the stairs. I do like the idea um, of having a stairs up there where you can go, um, you know, and kind of go up there easily. Yeah. Um, and I do like the idea of widening the pathway. Um, but yeah, I think maybe concrete steps might be better. Yeah. You know, seen as if you get a lot of traffic, mm. there might be, you know, might be more sustainable or that. Would the aesthetic of the steps bother you all that much? I guess maybe a little bit. I mean, maybe to go with the the rest of the the decor that's yeah. here, you know, rather than having something different. It'd be nice to maybe keep it the same. Yeah. Um, so On a plus, though, it's great to see the walkways developed here because they are very popular. No, it is. It's very good, actually. And it's nice, like, to have a pathway because I know up near the cup and saucer, there wasn't really a proper pathway to go up to the top. Yeah. And it's nice to have, you know, a proper one. So yeah. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. To be honest with you, no. It's a nicer looking at it now. Is it? Uh, no, maybe when it's all done and the sods are put back right and it's painted maybe green to come in with it, yeah. it might be better. But it, or the, they should have put it probably at the other side of the back. Right. Do you know? But other than that, like, I'm all for doing things up, do you know, and helping. Like, there is people that w- wouldn't have been able to go up there. Yeah. Now they will be able to go up there. So, but, but then there's people that has never been up here. And they criticise about everything. Right. Do you feel like that's a lot of it? So it's I people do, just well, seeing no, it. Well, no, I wouldn't say it's a lot of it, but you do have that going on. But it's like in Cashel. There's people living in the bottom of the rock of the, near the near the castle. They've never been inside in the castle. Mm. You know. So yeah. that's my opinion, though. And uh, that's our Ali who was out and about for us at uh, the Tipperary Hills yesterday. I'm delighted to be joined now by community activist and uh, journalist Martin Quinn. Good morning to you, Martin. Morning, friend. And good to talk to you today. I've been reading your piece in The Nationalist uh, this week. You you sort of had a look at the history of of this, Martin. And can you tell the listeners what you came up with? Yes, well, I I, I did. I had a look at the at the history. I went back and looked at the Tipperary Heritage Town Trail, um, and that that's kind of as they say in itself. It's a walk through over eight hundred years of history. And uh, it goes back, I suppose, to to uh, the, the most striking feature to Norman times, that is a Norman bot, you know, clearly mm. artificial looking. It says uh, one of several local examples and constructors in the early 1190s uh, by the first wave of Normans into the region, you know. So that's kind of the background mm. to it. So... It is. It has a great deal of history, I suppose. And and uh, it's known locally and as the Cup and Salter, but essentially it is a Martin Bailey, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But people would have known it as the Cup and Salter. Mm. Yes. Mm. And, and uh, what 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 are the concerns? Because I, I'm looking at pictures of the stairway here. Now it it doesn't trouble me. I would imagine it would have to be weathered a little, maybe to fit in better with the with the environment. Is, is that what they're hoping for, do you think, Martin? Yeah, I I, I can't say that I know um, the reason for it, but, uh, I mean, as somebody said to me, you know, surely they didn't do this just out of the, 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 the thought off the top of their heads, you know, they obviously put a lot of thought into this. Yes. And um, it was the plan the plans were well publicised. I have to say that, you know, because it it had got a lot of um, publicity, I suppose, in advance of, of works starting on it, and um, the there would have been a lot, I suppose, of 
loss of interest in uh, what the plans would have been because, uh, as you know, it's, uh, and as I said there, in going back in history, that it's it's a Norman feature and uh, it has a lot of history attached to it. And people would, uh, I suppose, have have thought that they shouldn't do too much to interfere with it. Yes. You know, interfere with kind of the historical uh, effects of it and impact of it. But um, I, th- I think that probably when you see it uh, um, as it is, without without it being finished, mm, yes. you know, if it was a finished product, well, maybe there might be a different uh, version to it. And I think maybe what, what upset a lot of people was that you were interfering with a mound, you know, that mm. was, I suppose, uh, historically there and had, had never had been untouched before. That, that would, would and, have been one of the things. And in your research, uh, Martin, did you come across any illustrations maybe of how this would have looked in Norman times? Would there have been uh, wooden structures like this? Yeah, I'm not aware that there was. All now. right, okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not aware that there was. So, so um, some of the research did mention uh, about, you know, about defences, uh, ditches and ramparts and wooden structures. Mm. to provide shelter. So um, uh, there's likely to have been some kind of things uh, around that level, you know. Um, But I don't know. I I can't say for definite what what would or wouldn't have been there in that time. Right. And you know that area very well. I mean, does it give more access to more people to what is a beautiful area? I mean, there's a great uh, view of the town from up there on on the top of the moss, you know, so? Yeah, it's probably one of the the areas that's one of the best kept secrets, Mm, if you like, of, of the town because uh, it is a fantastic area and it is a fantastic view. And I know when the the proposals came originally for the development of this, I would really have been delighted to to, to read and to see about it because I, I think that uh, some of it can be very overgrown and uncared for mm. and unkempt, unkempt looking. Um, but uh, there's also the... The nature of it, the wild, the wild area, also lends uh, something to it as well. But I, I would have walked it. I would have been a regular walker there, and I think it's it's a beautiful area. And I think that any development to the area would be very much welcomed. I, and I think that maybe people are, are jumping to conclusions without seeing the finished product, but. Um, it's just that when I saw it myself, I was a bit taken aback, I have to say. Um, there's been a poll as well uh, conducted by Tiptown. Uh, dot, yes. dot IE. Uh, the result of that is rather damning, though. I mean, I'm not sure how scientific it is, but it's certainly damning, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you're correct there. I'm not, I'm not sure as well about how scientific it is, but it would be... I, I, I think there, there is you see uh, the pictures of of the stairs and everything. It does look out of place, mm. you know. It kind of looks out of place with with, with the whole development there, and uh, the and with the hills in general. But you're only seeing it, uh, I suppose, in the context of of one particular area. 
I mean, they're developing the whole hills area, yes. which, uh, as you probably know, uh, and which is a, a great overall development, and they're widening the paths. And they're, they're also doing something in relation to, to the Peace Prize mm. recipients. You know, mm. the, there'll be markers along the way as well. So they're, they're, they're doing a lot of work to it. It was a fairly detailed uh, list of, of development work that had to be done. And uh, I, I think that we're probably seeing it, you know, in this kind of raw state at the moment. And uh, without, like, if you look at if you look at the pictures, it does look like that the area has been nearly a kind of attacked, you know. And um, for for mm-hmm. for for an area that is so well known, I suppose, and has so much historical significance that people would have had concerns about. I was interested in one of the gentlemen who who spoke to Ali, though, making the point that maybe some of the people who are critical of this wouldn't have set foot in in the area before, and they might be basing their their opinion on on photography, and that can be a little bit misleading as well, because this is new wood, it's a new construction. It will eventually, I suppose, fit in to the area a lot better, Martin. You know, is, is that fair to yeah. say, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Undoubtedly, it will. And, uh, I mean, when it is complete and when the area is developed and, and given a bit of time, I suppose, as well, with natural growth and what have you, uh, it, will, it will very much fit in, I think. And I, I think it would be welcomed. I mean... There are, as you say, and I think as was said in the Vox Pop there, even in relation to to maybe concerns about, you know, during winter time and and climbing the steps and that kind of thing, you know. Um, But uh, with uh, having said that, I think that uh, I think that in uh, given given time and the development, we're we're seeing as first as I said in a kind of a raw. State at the moment, and there will be um, there will be some installation of log seats as well. You yes, know, yes. there, which 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 will all add to it. I think the the use of the natural wood. I suppose they're trying to keep it in 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 kind of a certain team, if you like. All right. Well, if people want to find out more, you have a, a lovely informative piece in the, the Nationals this week. And Martin, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you and good, thanks, good, good morning to you. That's Martin Quinn there in uh, Tipperary Town. Let's go to uh, Tipperary Councillor now, uh, Anne-Marie Ryan. Good morning to you, Anne-Marie. Um, hi, Fran. How are you doing? Sorry, I'm, I just heard Martin on the radio there and I rang in. Yeah, just yeah I'm delighted, I'm delighted you did. What, what's your take yeah, on all the criticism, Anne-Marie? Um, look, I think people have genuine concerns over has any kind of unlawful works um, have been carried out on an ancient on an ancient mound like the Martin Bailey. And um, I suppose I've gone and spoke to the council, and I can say that there is an archaeologist on site when any digging is mm. done. So it's under license for the National Monuments, and there's an archaeologist there as we speak monitoring the works. So I'm hoping that might put people's mind at rest a little bit that there's no undue damage. The idea behind it really is to allow access to the top of the Martin Bailey mm. because it, you've got a 360-degree view of all around Tipperary, the Glen, the Limerick side, Emily, and it's it's stunning up there. And as it stood before the work,
work started, there was a kind of a man-made path that people used to kind of scramble up themselves. And, you know, that was causing erosion by people accessing directly onto the moss. The idea behind the viewing platform is to allow people to get up there safely and to view it and not to actually be walking on the moss. So while at the moment you're looking at it going, blooming, that's a huge kind of structure. It looks quite big and out of place at mm. the moment. I'm hoping eventually it will settle into the environment and it, it will allow people access to the top without mm. damaging the actual surface and the, the access way up to the And Anne-Marie, is, is it based on any illustrations that uh, might have been made available to people from yeah, the origins like, of the moss? Well, the origins of the moss, um, even if, you, if you're going for a walk up the hills, if you go in via the, put, the pitch and put side, mm. like the, the steps themselves are a modern structure. They're not based on the moss and Bailey kind of original drawings, but there is a drawing at the bottom of the access in via the pitch and put, which shows, say, at the top of the moss, there would have been a tower that would have been built, which would have been your lookout tower, you know, right. if you were being attacked and stuff. And there's a kind of a, an outline sketch of what that would look like. But the steps themselves are just to allow access they're not trying to replicate what would have been there, you know, hundreds of years ago. They're to allow access. And, like, I can't explain in engineering terms what a floating staircase is because I mm. don't know how to. But the idea behind it is that it's, it gives the least impact onto the actual monument itself because you're using individual stakes to stake yes. the staircase as opposed to digging into the... Uh, and and the people who were that. speaking to Ellie that were calling for concrete here, I mean, that would be much more invasive, no, that, wouldn't it? That's, that's that, much that more invasive, yeah. and, and you can't, and yeah. that would do way more damage. The idea is, I suppose, to for the for the access up to the top of the moss, you're getting up there in the least invasive way as possible, and the right. archaeologists and the architects decided the floating staircase, as it's called, is the best way to get to the top. Right. Now, they, they put it underneath the um, the man-made path that was made. So it's sitting kind of above that now because erosion had occurred there. So they chose that area to, to build it because erosion had occurred there already, if right. you get me. And ju just finally, Henry, what, what's going to happen now? I mean, according to that poll in tiptown.ie, 75% um, of people in favour of removing the wooden staircase. So what, well, what's going to happen? I, th I think... First of all, I'd like to clarify and be able to say to the public that best practice was followed. I've questions gone back to the council yeah. to understand the process. There was, Martin mentioned it as well, there was a lot of consultation yeah. done in advance. However, I do get it that something on a piece of paper isn't the same as when you actually see it. And there is a challenge around public consultation and getting people to engage before mm. the project actually happens. And I'm, I suppose I've become very aware of that as a councillor. But there was quite a lot of engagement beforehand. The stairs was talked about it. There was drawings there. Now, the drawings don't, you know, they don't truly reflect what you see. It's very difficult to show that. Um, so I think before we talk about taking it down, let's look to make sure that we've done, done it correctly with this minimal amount of kind of damage to the Mott and Bailey. Let's allow the project to be finished and let's have a look at it then. But, I mean, I, I would really hope that it can stay because, look, it, my niece has two-year-old twins. She can now access the top of the Mott. She could never get right. up there before. She can yes. take the little ones up now for a walk. And so, it, is a, mean, it is a hidden you know. gem because, you know, while quite a few people use the area to walk in, a lot of people don't know about it at all, I suppose. Well, it's 
part of a bigger plan. I mean, we're, we're building a walkway. The, the plan is that we will have a walkway from Salahead to Tipperary Town and Brilliant. then from Tipperary yeah. Town to the Glen. Mm. And the idea is that you will go through the hills. I mean, the hills is primarily used by local people and it's fantastic. But, you know, we have to look at what are our natural kind of tourist offerings for Tipperary Town as well. And this is one of them, you know. So it's all working towards kind of generating bigger footfall in the town, supporting the growth of the town, but to do it in as least invasive way as possible and in the most sustainable way. That's mm. the idea behind the whole project all right. that's happening up in the hills. Anne-Marie, we appreciate you uh, getting in contact thanks, with thanks us. And thank, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Councillor Anne-Marie Ryan uh, there speaking to us. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Each from If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. And staying with that controversy around those wooden steps to the cup and saucer, the Mott and Bailey at the Tipperary Hills, one of our listeners says, uh, Hi Fran, there was planning permission for this, so did anybody object to it? If not, leave the people of Tipperary who are trying to improve the town do their job. I'm sick of people constantly complaining. I think if it's painted green and blended in and all finished, it will look good, says one of our listeners is rather uh, across. And that probably plays into the gentleman who spoke to Ali on the Vox Pop there, who said that, well, he figured that a lot of the people um, complaining don't set a foot on uh, the hills. So uh, Liam was on as well, and he says, many years ago, my daughter was involved in this installing the Wicklow Way walks again in timber. It soon became very dangerous for walkers due to slipping. Later the council put chicken wire nailed to the wooden steps uh, to stop uh, the slips. Sadly now the timber steps have rotted and you try to walk with nothing, only chicken wire. So lack of maintenance uh, is the issue and now the walk is uh, dangerous. Well I presume Liam, or is it too much of a presumption um, that there will be ongoing maintenance of this to make sure that it stays safe and uh, the like as well. Um, Yeah, the whole business of uh, speeding and speed limit cuts, uh, uh, we've been chatting about this on the programme and um, we've been speaking about those new proposals as well. The uh, new default speed limit, as you're aware, on national secondary roads would drop from 100k to 80k and the default speed limit for the network of local and rural roads from 80k to 60k. A lot of diverse opinion about this. But... The Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, he has called for a return of the shock-safe driving ads as he warned that Ireland has uh, gone backwards on road safety. So I'm just wondering what you think about that, those shocking ads. Uh, do you think they were effective? Do you think if they were brought back that it might uh, do something to curb the amount of deaths on the roads? I'm, I'm sort of... I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure how effective they are because I know... When they came on, and I can think of one in particular that I almost found extremely disturbing. I, I would just turn off. I'd flick the channel because I couldn't couldn't handle watching it. So I'm not sure how much good it did that. But anyway, maybe I'm wrong. What's your opinion on bringing back those shocking uh, ads? 83 311 3311. News and information's on the way. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Do so. Tip Today. With Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Yeah, thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. If you want to speak to Ellie this morning, it's a free phone number, 1800-938-007. You can text and WhatsApp direct to the console here, uh, 083-311-3311. And, of course, you can email us at any time at all. That's tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, I was telling you just before news, <coughs> excuse me, that Leo Varadkar is proposing that uh, those shocking uh, road... Um, collision ads are brought back and he feels it's necessary to do it at uh, this time. And uh, Marie Moore was on, and Marie makes a very, very uh, good point indeed. And she says that where the proposed speed reductions are concerned, um, I mentioned to you yesterday that I um, signs heading into Port Tamler covered with stickers uh, reduced to 50k. It's just a joke. But she was on to us as well and she was saying about the ads coming out on RTE and she's questioning whether or not any young people then would see them because she was making the point that the demographic watching RTE 1 television particularly wouldn't exactly be teenagers and people in their, their young 20s. And I think that's a, a very good point indeed. Um, somebody else saying, forget about using TV as uh, shock ads uh, for the road campaign. My 25-year-old came home from work at 6.30 yesterday, uh, watched one hour of Netflix, uh, then cast from her phone onto the living room TV. Afterwards, I noticed the TV remained on standby all night as she spent the remainder of the evening on her phone. That's the generation today. TV is not part of their lives as it was when we were young. Another very interesting point. I'm sure you'll agree. 1800-938-007. Martina uh, feels, though, that she would agree with the uh, shocking speed ads. If they even save one life, it's well worth it, says Martina. I remember when we were learning to drive, uh, uh, Mam always said to us that if you travel at a normal speed, you have some hope if you crash. But if you're speeding, there isn't hope. And that stuck with me all through the years. I remember that ad that said speed kills. And I found that very, very effective as well. So there you go. Now, the whole conversation around the wolf tones and their record-breaking performance at Electric Picnic still trundles on because now we're hearing that the group will celebrate their six decades in music at Dublin's Three Arena on Saturday the 12th of October. Interesting piece about this as well in the Irish Indo today written by Sarah Carey. And it, it, it was the headline who brought me to, to, that brought me to the piece. It says, Why do kids sing Up the Ra, not Up Al-Qaeda? And Sarah goes on to answer herself then, and she says, because Sinn Féin has won. It turns out that Sarah was at Sarah at uh, the Electric Picnic performance by the uh, Wolf Tones, but I'm sort of confused by her, her article to some degree, because uh, on the one hand she's saying that uh, the Ua up the Ra, um, she couldn't believe it, and uh, her words, she said it felt like a Provo rally. 
But then she goes on to say that she studied the crowd uh, closely. You could tell that they were young and they were just having fun and they know it shocks the adults. It's another version of punk or bad haircuts or wrong clothing. Political rock and roll, it's transgressive, it's anti-establishment, it's what young people do. So I'm sort of confused about the point that she's making, uh, really, in the article. But uh, there you go. Let's go to Tammy now. Tammy, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm good, Tammy, and lovely to talk to you. you lovely to talk to you too, Fran. You, you've been listening to the Wolf Tones for a long time, Tammy. Since I, I'm 54 since I was a tot. Yeah. We've been listening to the Wolf Tones at home. My mother listened to the Wolf Tones, the Dublin City Ramblers, Jim Reeves, uh, Larry Cunningham. We had all the records, you know, that sort mm. of a way. Like, you know, and and, and you, didn't become, a, you didn't become a terrorist or a, a I bomber or a murderer. I didn't become no. a terrorist no. or a bomber. It's actually driving me cracked. Is it? Like, yeah, it is. Now, first and foremost, well done, because... Um, the concert is going to be sold out yes, because so. everyone's going to be no bad publicity. No publicity is bad publicity, right? Yeah. And I'd be delighted for them. I've met Tommy Byrne years ago when he played in. I was in the Ardham Malls and we carried, we brought them in an ambulance up to the Semple Stadium when they were playing in the Semple Stadium. And very nice people. Very yes. very. Well, nice was that people. part of Fela at that time? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Years, yeah, yeah. 90s. Like you know, going back to my childhood. Um, yeah, but like I. I sang uh, up the row when I was a young one. Yeah. My own children have sang it. None of them are going around with Bella Claire as we're killing. We have too much of what do the neighbours think attitude in this country. We're the worst country for not being proud of ourselves, our country, our people. Like we have a very begrudging nature in this country. If just be say like somebody does well for themselves. Oh, did you look at me, man? She's actually doing well for themselves. Mm. Who do you think they are? Begrudgery. Country, Begrudgery yeah, yeah. Every other country in the world is proud of their country. You meet the Ukrainian people in this country. They're so proud of their country, even though there's war going on there. There's killing on both sides. They're proud of their country. Now, I am not taking for one minute against anybody that lost their life above in the north, and my heart bleeds for their families. But there was two sides up there, not just one. They didn't do it all by themselves. There was two of them. Mm. Like you know, you have for a war. But you Tammy, have I to know you're conscious fight. that innocent people were killed, oh, kids yeah. were killed, but that's from pregnant both mothers sides, were friend. killed. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was from both sides. It just mm. wasn't from the IRA side. I'm not a supporter. I'm not Sinn Féin supporter. Mm. I'm nothing like that. Mm. But it's from both sides. But it it is a real. We are not a country about worrying about everybody else's, what everybody else will think, instead of having pride in ourselves, having pride in our own country. Yes, the songs were for that, but I'm sure the other side had their own songs too. They sing the map matches. Yeah, and some some you know very mean? very unfortunate songs as well, indeed. Yeah, Anti-Catholic yes, songs, particularly in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yes. do you now, think that I mean, where mainstream media is concerned, to a large extent, it's it's using this to have a go at Sinn Fein, uh, too, who of course are on the rise? Up. Do you think that's it's uh, trying to stir up? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's trying to stir. That's exactly what it is. It's trying to stir because these parties they have in government now, people are so fed up with it. People are so fed up to having no money in their pockets, not being able to light a fire. Elderly people this winter are afraid to burn a piece of turf or whatever before they get into trouble, sitting mm-hmm. in, in jumpers in a cold house because they can't afford their electricity or they can't afford heat. Like, that's what we should be looking at. 
sorry. So this is a kind of a, a smoke screen to the the bigger issues. Is that is that what you mean, Tammy? Yeah, it yeah. is a smoke screen. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. If we're talking about that, we're not talking about the winter that's coming in now and the, the um, people that won't have enough electricity, they won't have heating, they won't have food. We were in Thurles for seven weeks on a boil water notice. Mm. We got no notification from Irish Water. Eventually, we got it by going on the site ourselves. I rang for an elderly couple asking about them. And first and foremost, not against the chap, he wasn't Irish. He couldn't pronounce Ishka Aaron. And turned, turned around and I said, they don't, these people don't have internet to check it. Oh, you do it for them. I'm going, oh, he no. Did not, he did Aaron not say can, that, did he? I did. He did. Oh, yes, he did. And I turned around and I said, Ishka Aaron can send out letters to tell you you owe money. Why can't they send out a letter? The people, especially elderly people that wouldn't have the internet, that wouldn't have broadband, that mightn't have the radio on all day. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not sure if, if you were couples. listening in, in, in detail to the 10 o'clock news there, but if you were, I wonder, were you mad at <laughs> the irony of uh, a spokesperson for Ishgair now coming out to, to warn people about oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I conserving laughed. water? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually laughed. Sorry, no, friend. I actually laughed. <laughs> I actually laughed. Like, I mean, on top of people's, what you call it, their shopping going up, mm. for seven weeks you were buying water, bottles and bottles mm. of water. You couldn't even give the water to the dogs because the dogs got sick. You were taking your dog to the vet because the dog was getting sick, not realising it was the water. Are you, you were serious? The dog. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a fact in Charles. People had to take their animals to the vet. The vet, the dogs were getting sick. You couldn't even give them the water. My God! So you so see, you were cons- you were conserving water all along, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, where do we, like I didn't use the water because actually I actually dread water. It's the one thing I always say that a lot of our cancers is water because it is the one thing we use every day on our body: showering, brushing our teeth, cooking our food. So you're afraid of what's in it, are you? Yeah. 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 Yes, and I do think this is now a smoke screen now coming on and then they're going to come up next month with their budget and they're going to be the best in the world because mm. they have people's minds taken off them for the next few weeks. Tammy, you're then very cynical. Come. You're a very am, cynical person, I'm Tammy. I'm very cynical in my old age, but that's the way it's gone. That's the way life has gone. Now. It is. Would you, go to the, would you go to the three arena to see the... The tones. I would. would I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with it. And would you sing like said, Ooh, uh, up the really, ra? Would you? So I sang it when I was a young one. My own children have sang it. Like, listen, I was like, I was reared that I married an Englishman. Like, come on. Right. Do you know what I mean? Did he Seriously. sing Ooh, uh, up the ra? Did he sing it? Well, yeah. no, we sang it to him. <laughs> <laughs> there was no choice there, was there? Yeah. And there was a very, very bold um, song about the British soldiers that my mother taught my two-year-old daughter at the time to sing to her oh, and he took oh, it in great. But it was yeah. all always harmless fun. Like, we we never condoned violence and I would, to this day, never condone violence. But right. it is on both sides and we have to stop with the, the curtain twitching, as I call it. And do you know what? Yes, I'm very sorry for all sides up there because there was innocence from all sides and I hate anybody to lose their life. But just be proud of who we are that's our history. Yeah, well, um, you I know, I, I, I was... I'm not romancing it or anything No, like I know that, that, I know that, but I was referencing uh, Sarah Carey's piece in the Indo today, and, mm-hmm. you know, on one hand, she's saying these are kids being... Herself. Yeah, these are kids being kids, herself. and on the other hand, she's saying this is like a Provo rally, so she needs to make mm-hmm. up her mind, yeah. like, you, you know. She, she, she's, act, she's actually romancing, and, and uh, she's 
contradicting herself. Like, mm. you know. Yeah. It's Which, like doing one thing and saying thing. Was she singing yeah. it there when she well, was well, singing it? It was interesting that she, 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 was at, she was at the gig. No, well, she uh, let, let me find a piece where she said... It's interesting you make that point now because uh, I can't find it now, but she said that she... Yeah, she said, uh, I studied closely the crowd around me and I felt the mood. You could tell they, they had no idea. They were young, they were having fun and they know it shocks the adults. But she felt the mood. So there you go, you know. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. That's, I don't know. All right, like, Tammy. Yeah, there is, there is a smoke screen, Fran. It is a smoke screen. Lovely to show. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to talk to you, Tammy. I'll let you <laughs> sing away there that. in the kitchen. Yeah, right, good thanks. man, Fran. Thanks, thanks, Tammy. Bye-bye, Bye-bye to you. Um, Martina was on to us and she joins me now. Martina, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are and, you? And uh, just before 10 o'clock, we were speaking there about uh, Leo Varadkar maybe making the point that uh, the shocking ads... Um, should come back on the TV. Um, your your thoughts yeah. on that would be what? Oh, I thought that was a good idea. I think that's a very good idea, actually. Mm. Yeah, I know. I remember them myself, like, shocking out and they do. They do stay with you. Yeah. You know, even if it's only that sentence, speed kills. You know, I think that's very effective. Right, and that for, stayed for me, with anyway. you, that... that... That, that sentence, yeah. That sentence, speed yeah, kills. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of that, actually. That now, kills. Th- that's still all over our roads, that phrase, you know, speed kills. It and, is, yeah, it is. But it's not it's not stopping the carnage that's that's happening out there, Martina. No, you know? So I just no. wonder. It's true. It, it, it might even help one person, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. not going to help everyone, but sure. It might, it, like, it, it, it resonates with me, so, you know... Of sure, course, yeah. There's well, other people out there that. It am, will. am I just a wuss though? Because I, I couldn't want you, the one I'm thinking about is the motorbike going around the bend, and you just hear the, the crash. I, I, oh, I, yes, I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't watch that. I used to have to. Flip oh, it I, I, yeah, I know they're, they're hard to watch, but sure, I mean, there's there's lots of stuff on telly and on Netflix yeah, and on yeah, I know. on on on, on the online that people are watching that are really yeah, violent great, stuff great as point. well. Great you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'd so. watch that all right. Uh, <laughs> so I see. Yeah, yeah I have so. to examine my conscience about this. Obviously, where it's yeah, it's, where it's, it's concerned, like yeah. it's just an ad at the end of do the you, day. Do you go, some people are making a very well, certainly an interesting point to some degree anyway, and they're saying that, you know, driving has disimproved following COVID. Following has all no. been... It seems to be worse now. Do you do you see anything I in would, that? I wouldn't have seen anything would in you that. Not? No. no. Okay. Genuinely, no. Yeah. My God, no. That would never have struck me now. Right. And I'm on the road quite a bit because I drive, I do, you know, I do the caring for the elderly in the community. So, I mean, I'm well on the road done, every day. Yeah. And I'm on a lot of back roads as well, you know, side roads. And what are you seeing? Country Martina? roads. What are you seeing out there? Uh, well, the country roads, like, are, you know, they're quite narrow. And, if you you know, you have to really kind of roll around the bends because if you don't, if there's something coming for like, we get a lot of tractors, jeeps, especially yes. this time of the year. And, you know, they expect you to pull into the ditch. They, they're not, you know... You have to be careful. End of the day, it's just, yeah. And the speed know, limit on to... those roads was eighty. They're talking about bringing that down to sixty now. Does that does that concern you? The speed limit. Say that again. Fred? The speed limit currently on the roads you're describing would have been eighty k. And now they're going to bring that back possibly to sixty. And uh, well, that's a good thing, sure. Do you it? think so? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Danny Healy oh, Ray was you saying. Can save lives, in my opinion. Danny Healy Ray was saying this morning it would have everybody driving as if they were driving a tractor, though, and should hold everything up. Does that? Uh, 
Mm. Not on the country. You have to on the country back roads. You know, mm. you probably know yourself. You just you can you can't you genuinely can't feed. You just can't do it. Like yeah. you know, it, it's just somebody's going to get hurt. You know. It's, yeah. But you see, oh, that's my opinion anyway. But you know, I know the motorways are every. You know, it's speed in general. But how can me. how can they police those back roads? Like in terms of you know making sure people are driving at sixty. I, I don't know how they could do that. No, I, it would be it would be very difficult. very difficult, wouldn't it? Genuinely, yeah, it would be. Yeah, I don't know how they do it either. So but is it education? People have it then, in their Martina. head that it's sixty. You know, they might slow down to some Maybe degree. So. Maybe so. There's a lot of the speed vans around anyway. Like, I come across yeah. them quite a bit. Well, tell me um, about that. What do you make about that, that Helen McEntee is saying we're going to invest 1.2 million in uh, extra hours, uh, extra resources for the, the, the speed vans? How, how do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. Do Anything you? that's really, Yeah, I have a big problem with speed. No. Anything that reduces speed for me is... Is a good is a thing. thing. Yeah, I, that, I never change my mind on that. <laughs> That's just the way I am. Okay. Like I know, I know anyone can have a crash. I'm not saying I'm a brilliant. I'm not saying anything like that. Anybody can have an accident, and it might be even your fault. But like speed is is a big factor, I think. And you know, if it can be reduced okay. and it can save lives, me. All right, all Martina. Well, That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, well, and and well yeah. entitled to, to it you are too. And good to talk to you today, Martina. Yeah, Thanks. good to talk to you, Fran. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. You now. That's uh, Martina's opinion there. Uh, how do you feel about that? Oh eight three three double one double three double one. I'll take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Uh, somebody, Joe, who's in Newtown, says Sarah Carey. That's who I referenced there from the uh, Indo. Uh, also said that the leaders of 1916 uh, were bloodthirsty rebels. Did she indeed? No, I don't know that. I don't know that. So I'm taking your word on that, uh, Joe. Uh, Healy Ray's dead right. The limits we have are fine. They are not being uh, they are not being policed. Dundrum to Cashel in the mornings deadly. I would certainly agree with you on that. That's um, the way I come to work. And um, Jerry goes on to say, they pass on solid white lines on Benz. Cashel to Clan Mel via Rose Green is deadly. I go along with you on that too. All speed limits uh, ignored. So how will lowering the limit work if they're ignoring the limit already? Also cars doing 80 on those roads or 60 on the Dundrum to Cashel road um, as proposed will cause accidents as people will try and pass the traffic that are crawling at 60k and I suppose that is the point that uh, Danny Healy Ray is making this morning in the newspapers and indeed Michael Healy Ray made a a similar point uh, to me live on the programme on Monday last 1800-938-007 back in just a moment Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie now, I was chatting to my old friend, uh, the retired Garda band leader, Billy Byrne, last night, and he was telling me that there's a concert in memory of the former show band lead singer and former Carrick and Shore councillor Liam uh, Dwyer, who passed away last uh, Christmas. Uh, it's been organised for tomorrow night. 
Uh, and it's happening at the Carrick Hotel in Carrick and Shore, and it kicks off at 8pm. It's been uh, organised by Tony Egan, who uh, played gigs with Liam for many, many years, and uh, Tony's a super keyboard player. And uh, as I say, Billy will be there, along with a wonderful, wonderful musician, former Miami show band uh, guitarist Stephen Travers, and my friend Gay Brazel will be there, along with Jerry Walsh and uh, Maria O'Shea, Enright and uh, John O'Connor. Pat O'Donnell will be there, Richie Nugent, Shami O'Brien, and much more. And, of course, the Marble Tones show band will be providing some great music on the night as well. So that's happening tomorrow night at the Carrick Hotel in Carrick and Shore. And uh, I know that Liam's CD will be on sale there as well. Liam was on. Uh, with me, in fact, around the time of the release of the CD that he recorded in uh, Gay Brazel's studio in uh, Carrickenshire, and I was very sorry to hear about his uh, passing indeed. Now, tickets can be purchased on the door tomorrow night, but you can buy them ahead of time as well from the reception at the Carrick Hotel or indeed through Carrick Davin's GAA Club. And I want to wish all my friends there the very best of luck tomorrow night with that particular gig. Now, James was on to us from Newtown in Cairn. He says, friend, could you pass on a message to the woman who was driving through Palmucca at uh, quarter past nine this morning with her phone planked up on top of the steering wheel of the car right in front of her? Uh, she was either texting or God knows what uh, she was at, but she was not watching the road or me on it, says James. And uh, we asked we asked James to come on with us, but he said no, because I would get so cross. I'm on the road every single day. It's like a war zone out there, says uh, James, with uh, people on the phones. They just don't care about themselves or other drivers. And it also plays into one of our messages on text uh, that says uh, there should be some way of stopping people texting and looking at their phone when they are driving their car. So there you go. It's a subject we will get back to again, you can be sure. Now, we received an email to our agony aunt, Phil Prendergast, from a mother who had concerns about her child not wanting to go to college this year. She told us how her son wants to take a year out after the Leaving Cert, which sort of took her by surprise. Now, Rachel was in touch to share her opinion on this, and she joins me now. Rachel, good morning to you. Hiya, Fran. Good morning. And good to talk to you, Rachel. What do you make of this? It was a surprise to the mum. The son wants to take a year out, but he doesn't want to do very much. He wants to hang around with his friends. Well, there's two parts to it, Fran, okay? There's the logic and there's the emotion. And we all operate from emotion. So, obviously, her son is just caught up, which is natural, like, to get points for a teaching course is quite high and it's quite pressurised here. But there hasn't been a discussion um, around, you know, the logic in it. It just came to a standstill. You don't understand my pressure. I'm too young to decide. So, like, mum could actually say, do you know what? Okay, tell me a little bit more about what, what you're feeling. There's nothing to say in concrete that you need to go to college immediately after secondary school. And, like, if we take a look at Tipperary, in the last 25 years, we've completely advanced in further education. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say the worst-case scenario, he saves on job seekers and wants to stay in bed for a year. Well, if he did that, after a year, he can do a self-referral or he could go to his intro office and go to choose. We've choose in Tipperary and South Tipperary. 
where he'd look at working maybe 19 and a half hours a week if he was accepted. He could go out in our community in Tipperary and do like social care in crashes, caretaking, supervising of buildings, work in support of heritage, cultural activities, whatever it may be. Yeah, but I think, you see, Sadly Rachel, I think, I think his mother would be delighted if he looked at that path but seemingly exactly. he just he just wants to stay at home have a break hang out with his friends because he wants time out because he will be so wrecked as he says exactly. after after leaving sir you 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 agree with him do you you think that's okay uh, well i think if she sits him down to say look logically to recover we can agree to a month but if you're actually taking a year out what will you achieve that will benefit you in the future? Right, okay. So, uh, so just to show support that it isn't, you won't do that. That's why I brought up the twos programme to say, look, if you take a year out and you don't work, you could look at doing twos and give back to the community. Okay. In the meantime, he could go out and do charitable work. We, like, there's all different... Uh, you know, um, organisations that could do with help. It's also the option of further education mm. courses. Like, if you look at Templemore, outside of, like I said, too, you have to be unemployed for a full year. But, like, I don't know about uh, South Tip fully, but I know, like, in, her, in North Tip, we've Nina, we've Turles, we've Ross Gray. And that's available to anyone. You can also go to further education. So mm. even like just to take a look at Templemore directly, okay, um, we would have like in the, our College of Further Education, Creative Media, mm. Applied Social Studies and Psychology, Applied Social Studies with Care of Older Persons, there's lots of different courses. Sure, and, and, and I mean, I, 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 take your, I take your point, but you see, I mean, he had plans to go to college to do PE teaching, and that was what the mother thought was on his mind to do. But he, this was a bombshell to her when he, he just wants to... And I mean, I, I take your point that there's more options. I wish those options were there when I was a young person. Exactly. But, but, I mean, in this case, the guy just doesn't want to do anything for a year. You know I mean, and he's, we, he's absolute about that. He wants to hang out with these friends. Uh, he wants time <laughs> out. You know. and, and that, like, look, right, that is how he feels right now. Right. But what has led him from saying, I want to achieve teaching MPE to, hey, I want a year out? It could be very simple. Maybe, like, I know my kids. Do not like being away from me. Even recently, in recent days, my eldest said, Mom, I'm nearly nine and I've only not been with you a few days in my life. And he told me that he was planning on driving to college or would I move with him uh, so that I could live with him every day? Now, wow. obviously, <laughs> will that hold down the line? Who knows? But it's lovely to hear now. Isn't it there just... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah. But it could just be maybe the child is anxious around further studies, 
living away from mum and dad. Oh, that's an interesting point. I, I hadn't thought of that. That's that's uh, yeah, that's a very Christian yeah. way of of looking at this because we were all getting <laughs> excited and saying, "Oh, the lazy so and so, he needs to get up and get a job no. and all of that." Okay, very no. interesting indeed. All right, and great, great also to talk to you. He said the pressure that needs to be covered. Why is he feeling under pressure around the leaving skirt? Mm. And that needs to be addressed first. The emotion, let him talk and then give him the logic that it's not the end of the world. If he does feel he wants time out, can we chat about the options, whether it's looking at two further education and, in the area. And all those options work. that are there. Yeah. Rachel, yeah, really good to talk know. to you today and thanks very Thank much indeed for coming on with us. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's uh, Rachel speaking to us there about that letter to uh, dear Phil and Brenda joins me now. Brenda, good morning to you. Morning, friend. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you today. What are you making of uh, the letter and uh, the young lad's choice to have a year out where he can hang out with his friends and the like? I think a year is a bit too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe a month. But I don't think that a big stress should be made about it now, right at the beginning of the school year. Because otherwise it's going to be simmering under the underlining all the time the whole year. I think what needs to be done is to put it aside and agree to come back to it after the leaving cert. Because otherwise it's going to just cause more stress. The year of the leaving cert already, from what I understand, is very, very stressful. For for everybody. For for, for, everybody. for parents for and siblings and the, yeah. Everybody. The, yeah. Everybody involved with that particular child feels the stress that yes. they're going through. Yeah. And yeah. no added stress is necessary. So maybe through the year as he goes and he sees how he's doing, he might decide to go back to his original plan. So do you go, do you go along with the husband who appears to be to be a kind of a, an easygoing sort of chap, and he's saying, "Don't worry about it. Leave him off because he won't be long getting bored when he sees all of his friends have gone off to college or to work." And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not a big issue. It's not necessary to make a big issue. Yeah. Why, why do you think he changed his mind? Because Rachel made some good points there that maybe he is getting a little overwhelmed already by the notion of how this exam is going to work out. And, uh, yes, I think so too. Yeah. So that's why he doesn't need the added pressure now of deciding what he's going to do. He obviously knows in his mind, you know, where he stands and he's had this idea all along, but people change. Maybe he's decided he doesn't want to go on and be a PE teacher. You never know. Maybe he might decide to do something else. Maybe he, you know, um, sometimes I think parents like to live their lives through their children. Yes. And I don't think that's right. You cannot put your life, what you wanted or what you wanted to do, onto your child and expect them to do that. And and, and so many parents attempt to do that and it never works out pretty. Um, Brenda, I'd love your opinion on our leaving cert. It it seems to me that we're obsessed with it. And every year that it comes around, you know, we discuss it and we talk about changing it and one thing. What what do you make of that sort of terminal exam notion? What what do you make of that? Well, like, you know, I come from South Africa. In South Africa, we have the same thing. It's called the matric. And it's at the end of your 12th year. So it's like the UK system, is it? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. at the end of your 12th year, you have to pass your matric. If you don't pass your matric, 
Well, then you have to go back to school and do the full year again. Wow. Yeah. Um, because you cannot get a job without your matric. And is it a combination of studies as well, of subjects? Is it similar to the Leaving Cert in structure? And yes, it is. It is. Rote yes. learning and the like as well. That's right, yes. And um, there's very little space for individuality. Right. So um, I feel that while getting your Leaving Cert is important, it's not the end of the world. Yes. It isn't the end of the world. If you don't make it, you know, it doesn't make you a lesser person. It just means that maybe you learn in a different way. And there's so many other options out there now, Brenda. We've been hearing about them lately on on the programme. You know, it's certainly not the end of the world. And even if you don't get enough points to do what it is that you want to do, there's back doors into these courses as well. There is, yes. Yes, there is. You know, um... There's all kinds of things. My daughter, for example, at the moment is studying to be an EMT. Now, um, she is 43, and she's, this is her life that she's always wanted to do, and she's now found a way to do that. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, fantastic. so she's now busy doing that, you know, and it's hard work for her because yeah. she's running a household. She's doing everything, but she's still doing it. So you don't have to... You know, panic if you don't pass your leaving cert. I know a lot of parents are going to say, don't say that. But it's true. You don't have to panic because there are other yeah. options for you. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it, it's detrimental in some cases to young people's mental health because, you know, there's such a fixation on it, one thing or another. It's it's interesting. Uh, Brenda, always lovely to talk to you, and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. And, and well done to your daughter as well, by the way. Yes, Brenda, yeah. Can I just send a shout-out to the drivers of the Link buses? Sure. Alan and, um, uh, and, and Benny, they are so brilliant. Our link buses always run so well. They're always so clean and they are always on time and right. so careful. Isn't that yeah. fantastic? It's great to hear that about rural transport because we're always concerned about it and discussing it, Brenda. So it's good no, to no. hear a good news story. Our link drivers are amazing. We're very fortunate to have them. All yeah. right. Uh, thanks very much, Brenda. Thank thanks, you. Good morning thanks. to you. Thank right you. Bye-bye to you now. Um, Katie was on. She says that uh, Electric Ireland uh, initially put up prices by 26%, so a cut of 10% that we announced earlier on, um, is still an increase. And that's a, a good point from Katie on 83 311 I'll be right back. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, John is a Nina, and he says, uh, well, he's very complimentary of the programme to begin with, and then he says, but <laughs> as far as the Wolf Tones go, it's a big deal over nothing, and the only problem is uh, the analysis of everything. And no matter what happens, people analyse it. Uh, the only thing making it popular is the big irrelevant talk as usual. I'm Irish to the bone, but the Irish have gone from being the fighting Irish to the moaning Irish. Also, that guy who completed his schooling uh, once a year off, but has dreams, stop as usual, analysing it. Analysing and moaning is where we're all at. Sorry for the rant, Fran. Keep smiling, says John in Nina, who says he's always tuned in. Well, thank you indeed for that, uh, John. Always good to hear from you. Um, yeah, somebody else uh, speaking about the young lad who wants a year off as well, saying, I think, leave him. He's time and space, Fran, a great sign of this chap. He's not a sheep. 
following everybody to college. Strength of character. He wants to live his life his way. I admire him. And uh, somebody feels a little bit different about it, saying, tell that boy who wants to hang out with his friends that his mother um, should make him do all of the housework and have his parents' dinner cooked for them, uh, plus the housework done. Tell him there's no such thing as free dinners. Who will pay for his hanging around with his friends? Only his parents. It's a very bad idea, I think, says one of our listeners. Now, we received another letter to our agony aunt, Phil, from a concerned wife about her husband's behaviour at events and his worrying drinking habits. Now, he really does uh, take it to the limit, according to his uh, wife, because even at times he gets so drunk he takes his clothes off, for example. Well, Tara joins me now. Good morning, Tara. Good morning, friend. What do you make of what this guy is up to and what do you think the wife should do about it, Tara? Um, well... Obviously, it's not all just for the crack because she's, as she said, like it it goes beyond just having a drink or two out with family or friends. It goes to the extreme, like even he's stripping off his clothes. Yeah, yeah. Like she, she said, um, he does the complete dog on it, and she's always mortified by him. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I've seen it. I've seen it myself. It happened at a family wedding myself in my own family there a few years back. You're not going to mention um, names to me now, right? No, 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 <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. God, I'd be right. killed. But um, no, it was just the same thing. A cousin of mine said, look, my husband's had enough because I got, by the time I got there, it was the afters. Right. So they had been at the wedding, you know, all day. Mm. So that was fine. But we had one other cousin that thought it was great to feed this cousin cousin's husband with more drink oh God. and by the end of the night your man was on the ground his poor wife then the whole evening was destroyed and she had to take care of him get him back to the hotel room and it was just it destroyed um the, the wife's good time that she was having that's very so, interesting, Tara, because that plays into exactly what is said in this letter. That She says some of his friends would be buying him drink just to get him drunk and see what he'll get up to. So that's, yeah. that's your experience as well. The fellas would wind them up and, you know, buy more. Oh, drink. yeah. So they'd wind them up like a tie and leave them off. And then they'll just sit back and watch it. And it's the poor wife that I feel sorry for because... Um, you know, she's being mortified in front of her own friends and family because of his behaviour. Yeah. Because it, it can't be just one drink, it seems. And obviously, you know, it, it, this person obviously is going to the extreme. And if I were her, I'd be like, look, off you go. If, you, if you're if you okay with your friends mocking you and making an embarrassment out of you, deliberately and you go do that I'm going to go with my own friends and I'm going to have a good time without that type of drama. And what did you make of the line where she said she spoke to him about this when he sobers up and said that it really upsets her and you know she made it quite clear and that it embarrasses her but he just said she should lighten up and let her hair down. No, uh, I just think that's very unfair. That's a cop out. That he's trying to put put it on her. Oh, but sure, you're the one that's not fun. You're the one that can't have the crack when out with friends. But it, it seems like she's his babysitter. They they go out together. They go out to family functions. He goes off on a mad one with the drink, and she's the one that's left taking care of him. 
It's a very good so point. So she can't indeed, even yeah. enjoy she can't even enjoy her night. And do you know what I was fascinated by was the very first line where she says, "My husband and I are not all that social. We go out once in a while." Well, we wouldn't be out every weekend, but when he does go out then, he does the complete dog in it. But uh, Phil was making the point yesterday, is it kind of because he's socially inept and that he's not very good socially that he, he feels the need to be charged to be the life yeah, of the party? Yeah, it could be. It could be that. It could be that. There's, there's no... There's no knowing because, as you said, she did try to talk to him, but he just kind of brushed it off going, oh, but sure, you're the one that's not fun. Um... Yeah. where she just wants to go out, obviously have a nice time with family, glass of wine, you know, and just go home after a lovely evening. But it seems that when they go out, he has one drink and then it just escalates, escalates, escalates till he's yeah. flat on his face and on the floor or I really, I really felt sorry for her, Tara, because she's asking yeah. the question and she's questioning herself as well. She's saying, am I being unreasonable? She's not being unreasonable, for God's no. sake. No. It'd be, it'd be unreasonable if she told him you're not allowed to go out. Yeah. It'd be different if she was trying to ground him like a child and, yeah. you know... No, she uh, continues to go out with him, even though he embarrasses her and stuff. You know, it's amazing. That's because she knows, David, if she isn't there, that anything could happen because he's around these people that are deliberately feeding him, feeding uh, this and behavior. And winding him and making a fool of him, you know. Exactly. Is, you know, so yeah. she thinks now herself, if she doesn't go with him, there's no one there to take care of him. She could get a phone call from the guards or the hospital saying, look, we have your husband. And then she'll feel even worse that she didn't go out with him. All right, Tara, great to talk to you today and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. Uh, Tara there making reference to one of our uh, dear Phil letters where the wife is talking about her husband's behaviour when they go out uh, to um, on an occasion, whether it's a wedding or, or whatever. Now, we spoke this morning about the announcement from Electric Ireland that prices are to drop by 10%. No doubt welcome, but some listeners pointing out that it follows from an initial 26% increase. So technically, it's not really that much of a reduction. Alice joins me now. Good morning to you, Alice. Hello, Fran. How are you? Uh, good Good to talk to you. You want to point out an increase in another part of the bill, Alice. Will you explain I, that to I me? I do, which yeah. brings me terrible. Um, it's the standing charge. Yeah. Now, my standing charge is... What was my last bill? I have it here, actually. Uh, 75... 83 or something like that. For the standing charge? That was 76.60. It's different every time, you see. And how can a standing charge be different every That's time? That's what I want to know. A standing charge should be a standing charge. And, and 74, 16, another one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I just quickly Googled that here and it says a standing charge is a fixed daily amount that you have to pay for energy, no matter how much yeah, you... Yeah, but it's not fixed. But it's not fixed, right. No. I mean, we got electricity in 1957, right? Yeah. The standing charge, I think, that time was two shillings. Yeah. Now, that standing charge stayed for donkey's years. And we never took any notice of it, like the bill would come in, you pay it. But lately, I'm looking at this, and it's on the back of the bill. It's not on the front of it. It's on the back of the bill from Electric Ireland. Right. And I rang one day, and so the foreigner I met on the phone, and he understood what I was talking about. He he couldn't understand you, or you couldn't understand him? 
Neither. We so, couldn't understand each other. So there was a breakdown in well, communication. Well, there was a standing charge, she kept telling me. Yeah. Now, but, that was a nice way of getting out of it, like, you know. Well, but, I mean, you knew that, but you were looking for more information on it, were you? I was looking for more information, but I couldn't get it. Yeah, and and what do you make this morning of them crowing then that, you know, they're dropping prices by 10%, I think it's 12% where, where, where gas is concerned? Can difference because they're bringing it back on the sending charge. Yeah. They rise the sending charge if they're taking 10% off. So are, are you being ripped off, do you think? I'm being ripped off left, right and centre. Right. Now I know I'm, I have everything electric now, I must admit. Right. But I get 70 euros a month, every two months because I'm an old age pensioner. Right. And I pay 177 when my last bill was. And is that up considerably from what and you that, would have been? Yeah. And that's uh, 75 euros of that is, is the standing charge. Right. And are you using much more energy? No. No, no I'm living right. on my own. Right. Okay. And if I, I cook bacon, say, Monday, I had that for Tuesday. So I had no cook on Tuesday. Right, so you're you're. You know, I'm working along that way. Yeah, I'm very careful about what what do you have. You got one of these smart meters, by the way. Uh, have no, they, they haven't installed no. that yet. Yeah. No, I have a day and night meter. Right. All right. Because I have an electric car. You oh, you have an electric car, and how is that working out for you? It's okay. I wouldn't be mad about it now. I'll tell you the truth. Right. No, and my husband died, and uh, he had an electric car. I'm sorry. And I had a hybrid. Right. Well, I gave the hybrid to my son and I kept his electric car because a small car, the, the Renault, whatever it is, small uh, one. Zoe, is it? Uh, Zoe, that's uh, it, yeah. yeah. And uh, how does that work out on electricity? Is that is that costing you a lot? Well, that's not bad at all now, electricity. Is it not? Yeah. No, no. Uh, I don't do a lot of driving now, I'm I'll tell you the truth, as hmm. uh, I'm in the 80s. When did your husband pass away, Alice? Uh, two years, the first of June. Right. So du- during yeah. COVID or towards the end of COVID, was it? Towards the end of COVID, yeah. Right. And had had he been unwell? Or? Uh, well, he had, he had a big heart operation three years before that. Right. right. But a great loss for you, obviously, Alice. Great. Was, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, when you're on your own, you don't use as much. Yeah, of course. And you would. It's not two of us here, even. Yeah. And I can't, I can't figure out my bill at all. And you can't get answers, you see. This is the I problem now, answers. isn't it? No, I yeah. rang him myself. I was mad when I got the bill now. It's like it did be here. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you the truth. But um, I was like a lunatic, actually. And what happened but, when you were talking to your man yesterday and you couldn't understand him and he couldn't understand you? Did you just hang he, up eventually? Or? He, no, he kept saying to me, but you must pay your standing charge. But you knew that. Like. Well, that's I know that, but I said it's too high. Yeah. But it's your standing charge, you kept saying to me. What do you say to that? I don't know. And have you any idea where he was talking to you from? Where Where is that centre that calls him? I haven't a clue. You don't know? Yeah. I can't remember. I think this, whatever was on, number was on the bill I rang. Right. 1800 so, yeah, oh, that's the and, and what do, what do you do now, Ellis? I mean, you know, I don't know. I can't. I can't make figure it out at all. I just have to pay it, I suppose, and be done with it. 
I don't know, to be honest with you, Fran, now. But is that part of the thing with all of these companies now that they, they kind of they have you in into submission because you can't get answers so you just throw your hands up and go, oh, look what can I do yeah, pay every company that you ring now is a foreigner or lens for you yeah. and they don't have good English yeah and it's important and to point out this this isn't a racist thing it's just a communication oh, thing right, you know, not racist, yeah, no of course way. it's a it's a communication thing you can't understand them they can't thing. understand you yeah 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 yeah. But there's no use anyway because they're not going to do anything about it. So we just have to suck it up, as they say nowadays. Is suck that it? it up, exactly. But I'm wondering, does anyone else look at their standing charge? Well, I know that we discussed energy prices a while ago, about six months ago on the programme, and there was a lot of talk about energy charges at the time and just why they're there in the first I place. I don't think you know? the standing charge came into it that time. Um, well, I know a lot of people were very concerned about it at the time, anyway. So, yeah. Well, they about the sending charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must have missed that bit, so. Yeah. Um, Alison, lovely to talk to you today, and thanks for I your know. time. Thanks for your time, and lovely, yeah. lovely, lovely no, chat. You're welcome. Bye bye, Janelle. Alice. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Amazing. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. And we're speaking to Alice there about energy costs and the like and standing charges. And um, Brenda was on to say maybe it uh, varies depending on the amount on the day. I'm really not a good person to talk about this because I only found out lately that we have a smart meter installed for the last few months, months and I didn't even know. But anyway, where the standing charges are concerned, my understanding on that is is that it's supposed to reflect the fixed costs associated with providing gas and electricity supply and not the unit cost of energy, that it shouldn't be related to that in any way. So again, I'm just asking the question as to why it's variable. So I don't know. I really don't know. Um, we were also speaking about one of our letters in our Agony Aunt uh, series and uh, from the wife who's very concerned, very annoyed and embarrassed by her husband because when he... When they go out socially, he behaves really, really poorly. He gets out of his head drunk and he takes his clothes off and he's sort of wound up by his friends and he embarrasses her and she doesn't know where she's at. But, you know, there's a very sad text in from a listener that says, Good God, Fran, it brought me back so many memories of my former husband. He was a very heavy drinker and he'd really mortify me with his behaviour after drinking. And one of his favourite sayings was, do you want to run now or do you want to wait until the morning when he would come home from the pub? That's into us on 083-311-3311. Delighted to be joined in the studio now, as usual. On the Thursday by Muriel Cuddy, who is CEO of Marito 8020 in uh, Clanmel. Good morning to you, Muriel. Good morning, Fran. Uh, good to see you today. You have an interesting one. You see September as being your... January. Would you mm. would you explain that to me? Yeah, I think um, I suppose for in the last week or so, all my kids have gone different directions. I find some are really hard, so they're all off, and I work full time. So right. you're you've 
people in your ear trying to do, they want you to do 10 different things and they want you to be in 10 different places and they can't understand how you're not off and how you can't drive them and whatever. And even the older ones that are off, how you can't meet for coffee or like, what are you actually doing? And why are you not home in the evening? And that makes no difference to them. Like, it's just like, yeah, well, there's enough money for A, B, and C. But yeah, I find summer hard. And then when you get a holiday, by the time everybody gets together and you come down, like half the holiday's gone or whatever, you know. So I just, I find summer. But I suppose that's for me was why September is, 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 yeah, January. The weather is still lovely. Mm -hmm. And we get the chance to just reset, literally, and say, right, okay, what do we want to do with the next four months coming into Christmas time? This is a nice enough time of the year. Like, when you get to January, January is a tough time of the year to kind of do your reset and say, right, I want to lose half stone I want to do something new and I'm going to exercise and all of that kind and of thing. And it rarely works. Out. It rarely works, yeah. But this time of the year you can do it softly. So you can kind of like just get yourself in the right frame of mind to do things now because yeah, the nights are still long enough and stuff like that, you know. So that got me thinking then about the whole like negative thinking and, you know, how do we actually process our thoughts? And in Ireland so many people are more on the uh, downside than the upside. And you know, um all of this what do you put that down to, by the way? Mary? Well, I suppose our weather doesn't help because the last week, so many people yeah. are in good form. Like, Monday didn't feel like Monday this yeah, week. Know. You yeah. know, like, can you imagine if we lived in Spain or somewhere? Like, I know this week felt to me like it was a long week, but I think that's because the days were so long, as in the weather was lovely and that. But people are genuinely happier. They smile more. But you know the positive and negative mindset? It's not a personality trait. It's actually something that you can develop. So it's it's the same as anything else that we do within our world to make ourselves better people. It's, it's habitual. Yes, I mean, it's like, yes, oh, wow, it is. Okay. Totally, totally. So like you have to work on it. And like I work on it because I'm an overthinker and I worry. And the girls, Welcome if they're listening, the yeah, yeah. will laugh at the good of that. But I do. So I have to work on it. And, you know, the thing, things that we do with negative thinking is like you magnify things. You, you take things like out of like the box that they're in literally and you, you think they're an awful lot worse than what they are. You imagine they're an awful lot worse than what they are and you you know you're personalising something so when something bad occurs you're kind of blaming yourself for it like why did that happen and what did I do and what should I be doing instead and that you know and catastrophising you know you're anticipating something's going to happen mm. before it ever happens so you're thinking about tomorrow and you're imagining the worst. That's one of the things I used to do. I'm not as bad anymore. I kind of finish the day and I start the next day and finish out this and let's... God I need to know know how you changed yeah. your, your and that's, thinking. That's yeah. a mindset. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through that here with yeah. you because like, I just think that's massive because if you start worrying about tomorrow you're in trouble because tomorrow isn't even given. Like that's not, it's not even promised, you know. So I'm starting to get into that mindset. But you know, blaming yourself. So you, you have I been responsible? So you blame others for things but you've I been responsible for things you should be responsible for. Does that make sense to you? Like um, say you try and say somebody else is responsible for something happened to you instead of yourself. Does that mm. make sense to you? You know? It does probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's other things like magnifying things that you make big deal out of problems so something that isn't a big deal you're making a bigger deal and you know if you don't feel in the best you do that anyway because you don't feel well so you know you're, you're again you're magnifying things and you're polarising things that you only see things as good or bad there's no in between so like your world is either up or your world is down um, and, and there's no in between you know Have, have you been talking to people about me? <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know what Fran I'd say it probably is Seven or eight out of ten people so? that yeah. are actually listening. Yeah. Because yeah. I really think in Ireland, I think to focus on positive thinking is um, it's a skill that we have to learn and it's a skill that we have to work on. So I'm on here every week and I'm bleeding on about your health and your diet and mm. all of those different things. But I think this piece of it is just as important, literally like that. How many times do we actually sit down and identify in our life areas that we need to focus on? 
that we can change. So things that we usually think negatively about, say you came in at three o'clock this morning, mm. like that was a long day. Mm-hmm. You're tired. Mm. What can you do about things like that? Because like you're tired now for the day, so it's going to make you think negatively or more negatively about other things, you know? So like, so it all plays into... It all comes together, like, you know, like, how, how yeah. many times do we notice our thoughts? So we get out and we get into the car and it's down in petrol and you need petrol and maybe you haven't had your lunch and you have to go home and there's 50 things to do at home. The weather's lovely and the garden needs to be, the lawn needs to be cut and then you cut the lawn and then you see the weeds are starting and you have all of these things that are negative in your head the whole time, you know? How many times do we actually backpedal and say, right, okay, spin that around a little... Uh, the weather's very, beautiful. Very rarely. We, and and as Irish people, we don't. You know, we don't. Like, they say you are, the, you are, you become the person, the five best people you surround yourself with, you know? Mm. And I talk, talk to my kids about that a lot, that you have to be with people that actually um, are nice to you and give you energy and, and smile and laugh do, a lot. Do you know a great example of that? I was talking to a gardener one time and he made a very interesting point. He said that most gardeners are frantically gardening. Yes. But how many of them go out and sit in their garden and enjoy the garden. Yeah. Do you, do you know, and and that, that really plays into what you're saying, doesn't it's it? It's exactly like, I think as Irish people, we overthink things. Yeah. And when we overthink things, then it plays into everything else. Do you know the amount of health benefits they are there, there, there are there for people that are positive thinkers? And it was, we've had this conversation at work so many times because, because of the health side, like in relation to, say, menopause and colds and flus and viruses and stuff like that. Positive thinkers, in general, don't get as sick as much as... Um, negative thinkers. Is that scientific? That's scientific. The research is there, yeah, in relation to that. The research is there in relation to the health benefits. Like, your lifespan is increased. Um, Decreased levels or lower levels of depression and stress. Um, Lower levels of, or better psychological and physical well-being. Uh, Your cardiovascular health. You've reduced risk of dying from strokes and all of that kind of thing. Like, this is all research-driven or whatever. Reduced risk of death from cancer, from respiratory conditions, from um, infections. And you've better um, coping skills in times of stress and hardship. You know, so like, there are so many different, different, the body recovers faster even if you do get sick. Um, if you've lower mm. levels of stress and you think more positively, you know it's 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 just it's amazing. And if we if we're thinking more positively, I guess we're not needing crutches such as you know uh, junk food and mm. alcohol and yeah. that that thrown literally from the couch watching Netflix or something. Yeah. It's the serotonin side. Yeah. So like, if you positive people have higher or normal levels of serotonin and normal levels like that's just the basic of what you need to have and you know serotonin is your feel good hormone and serotonin like 74% of it is made in your gut so like if your gut isn't well which I talk about every single week well then you're not going to have the levels of serotonin so you're, that's going to play negatively into like your mindset and how you feel and all of that kind of thing so it's all part of the one picture and if your serotonin levels are normal you're happy you're calm you're more focused you're everything it supercharges your energy like there's so many different things improves your sleep you're more resilient you can absorb the nutrients from your food. There's just so many different things that play into it. So it's all part of the bigger picture. So if we're prone, as I am, to melancholy and if we're prone to negative thinking, how can you turn that around? Well, you definitely need to manage stress instead of stress managing you. That's, for me, one of the biggest things. To, okay. to say that to yourself, you need to manage stress instead of stress managing you. But how, how do you do that? So, like, there's so many different things. Self-talk is one of the things. And in Ireland, we're no good at this because people would always have kind of um, laughed at us or whatever if we were, you know, saying, right, I'm going to do this positive affirmation yes. thing and whatever. But if you're talking um, negatively, like, say, I've never done it before, you spin it around and you say, like, it's an opportunity to learn something new. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. Failure is literally uh, just a learning curve. So if you fail at something, at least you've tried. 
so go on now and try something else or do it in a different way or whatever, you know. So that's the positive side. It's too complicated. I'll tackle it from a different angle. I'm massive on that one. Even with the kids, I'm like, stop, seriously. Nothing's too complicated. Try from wherever. Um, I don't have the resources. Well, necessity is the mother of invention. That's what they say, you know. I'm too lazy to get this done. And a lot of people actually even think that in their head. I've I've gotten that this week two or three times with people. They've used the word lazy in their own vocab about themselves uh, as as, um, a negative and they were very down themselves. Mm. But when we got into it, they weren't lazy. They felt really unwell and their body was breaking down. So they just, they weren't able to do it. It wasn't the lazy piece. One person had said to me, you know, she couldn't walk the hill up to her house. It was a half a mile and she used to be able to. I'm just gone so lazy and I'm whatever. But she was really unwell. You know, she had lymphedema and there was different things wrong, you know. But it's just, you can say to people, you know, if somebody says to you to write an email and you put all the negative things into an email, but you spin it around and you reword that email to say exactly the same thing in a positive vein, you actually draw the person into your world instead of actually annoying the person and pushing them away. So instead of saying I'm too lazy to get it done, say I couldn't fit it into my schedule, but I can re-examine it, you know, my, some of my priorities and see can I fit it in. So, you know, don't ever use the word lazy about yourself. There's no way it'll work. Well, I can try and make it work. Mm. You know, don't say things like that. It's too radical a change. Let's take a chance. That would be definitely me. No one bothers to communicate with me. I'll see if I can open the channels of communication. And you know, on that one, I think it's if you smile, the world smiles back. You don't have to do anything. You just have to smile and people will automatically be drawn to you. And the minute you do that, the positive energy is starting to manifest immediately anyway. And then I'm not going to get any better at this. I'll give it another try. You know, so like it's not, it's not, it's just positive talk. And, you know, um, I suppose the powers that be, I won't say the powers that be, Muhammad Ali was one of them. He was one of the guys like that. He's a few brilliant quotes out there, you know, and um, I've, I've reused a lot from, from time to time. But one of the ones I liked was, um, I am the greatest. He, he said, I used to say that continually before I ever became became the greatest. So he always thought that about himself and he always made himself say and it. And what, the repetition had an effect? Then, it's it's like it? if you need to change your life, so if something's going wrong in your life or your life just, you're not in a good place. So maybe it's an unhappy marriage or it's work or whatever it is. You envisage the life that you want to live and you stay envisaging it. And then you write it down and you write down the pieces of the life of um, where you want to be. Like you can see yourself living in a new house. You can see yourself in a new job. You can see yourself doing things and you say it in the present. You don't say it in the past. So that's what Muhammad Ali was saying, was saying, you know, he could actually see it. He felt it. And he became it. And, you know, um, Deepak Chopra, mm. um, the, he's another guy, like, brilliant and all the affirmations or whatever, but he said the secret of attraction is to love yourself. And that was another one I liked because I just thought, we don't love ourselves. Mm. We are so hard in ourselves, you know? And you to say the words like, be kind to yourself and that kind of thing. Your health is number one. So if you can kind of turn it back on yourself, right, and say, I'm going to start looking after myself first and then everyone else. So put everybody in the box at either side of you or whatever. And then when you start becoming, what would you say? Just feeling better about yourself and that. Yeah, then you can actually give more to others. So fill your own cup, isn't it? Isn't that what they say? That's interesting. But, it, I mean, it, it's not easy for fear we might sort of give that impression. I mean, I know I, I would have tried to change my thinking over the years. I find it very difficult to do so. I think it's consistency. I think it's like exercise or anything. Yeah. I think you, you can't just do it for a week and then stop because it's too hard. I think if you only pick like two minutes a day and do it for the two minutes a day and that becomes three minutes, I think that definitely, it has to be consistent because I know, um, I read one about Oprah, I was reading a book or whatever and, and Oprah had a quote and it said, everything passes if you learn to hold things lightly. So just say that to yourself again. That was probably the biggest one that, that resonated with me. So everything passes if you learn to hold things lightly. What does that mean? Not hugely engage with negative Yeah, stuff, Yeah, literally. Like, isn't everything heavy? Like, stress worry isn't everything heavy 
like the heavier you let it become in your body, the heavier it will become. But if you hold it lightly and you try and say to yourself, well, I'm not going to let this now drag me down or I'm not going to over worry. I'm going to just start thinking about other things. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to do something else for myself. And you hold things lighter, you have a better chance. But you have got to practice the power of positive thinking. And if you do everything from career to relationships to health to hobbies, everything, um, becomes that little better. But you know, Fran, and people probably listen saying she's full of whatever, um, the way she's, she's chatting there now, but you know, we are all authors of our own destiny. Mm. And I say that so many times. And like, if we don't focus on our strengths and we don't do nice things for ourselves to make our, our world better, nobody else will do it for you. Yeah, but I mean, in fairness, you've always been honest with us and you were saying that, you know, you struggle to to sort of achieve this, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's work. Even in my my world, like, I know if I don't get up in the morning early and go to the gym, my day isn't as good. Is it easy to get up early? Jeez, to get out of bed on a Monday morning at a quarter past five? No, that's not easy. And, like, I haven't had a month or two months off over the summer. I had a week off Mm. over the summer, and the week was with four kids. So it wasn't a week away in the spa on my own or whatever, you know. So, yes... For me, I have to do the mental stuff. The, 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 the right stuff is in the exercise helps my mental head. So if I get to the gym and it's not about weight or anything like that, it's mentally and physically as in I'm more mobile. I can get in and out of the car properly when I go to the mm. gym. It just lifts my mood for me to make me feel better. The same with foodstuffs for me. If I eat well, I feel better. If I don't eat well, I feel like rubbish. I won't even say the whatever word. Mm. So I can't get through my day and I can't work. And I can't rear a family when I do the other stuff wrong. So for me, it's a way of life. It has become a way of life because I've become so good at being consistent. I can't go backwards because I can't do the unwell feeling. And is it fair to say that the people that come into you with health issues, that you could chase it all back to thinking? Oh, and I'm very honest with people and and, and anyone that comes into me, they, they can message you and even back me up on this. But I do say to people, if they're not ready to change, um, and they're not ready for me to help them and support them. And they're not ready to be, I suppose, I always talk about things from a health point of view. So even if somebody's coming in, they want to lose weight, I'll always go from a health point of view. And I'll say to people, it's your health and it's in your hands. But you've got to be ready to change yourself. So the mindset has to be right that when you're 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 on this path, it's in your head. I want to change, I want help and I'm going to do it with the help. But that piece has to be there. So you have to be, what would you say? The positive piece has to come into being somewhere along the way. You know, that you feel unwell for so long. And that's the biggest piece of people are coming in, Fran. I'm the last resort, like Mm. 90% of the time. And people feel so unwell. When I say to them, in all the people that I have, like five or 600 clients, three have only ever left. When I said to them, listen, if you're not ready for it, just leave. Um, You know, don't worry about payment or anything at all like that. Because if you were not ready for me to help you, I don't want to be, you know, taking Mm. money or doing anything like that. But for most people, the fact that they present themselves to you means that they've taken that step. They're sitting there and they're already in a state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the state can come from anywhere. Like, to me, it doesn't come from just being overweight or just from, say, a food intolerance issue or, you know, some reason, whatever. You'll go, you'll always go back to it started somewhere. There was some life event or something happened somewhere in somebody's world that actually triggered this set of events that made their body. And does it surprise people to maybe discover that in conversation with you, you know? Oh, totally. Because when you go back, people come in to do something simple like lose weight or which they feel it's not simple, but that's the topic that you want to talk about. Mm. But the first 15 minutes of the conversation can be about a life event, maybe like a death or, you know, maybe something really stressful happened in their 20s or it can be about something like that that we have to kind of delve into without going too deep. But we have to delve into it to actually find why did this happen? When did it happen? How long has this trigger been there? So how long has your 
your body being breaking down because when the body breaks down, it's literally like a car running on dirty aisle and it'll chuck away for a while. And that chucking, by the time you're 40 or 45 or 50, really starts to slow down. And eventually, when I say to people, it'll stop. The stop piece is the chronic illness piece. That's the type 2 diabetes or the cardiovascular event or, you know, your body is like on its knees at that stage. So the sooner you get to the bottom of it and, you know, you you won't. And I've said it before, you add 15 years to your life if you get that piece right. So people that are listening today, the, the simplest thing you can do is the positive piece, the positive thinking piece if you can actually start doing that for a minute a day and stop being so hard on yourself because that reduces stress that builds the serotonin levels it gets you outside you'll exercise you'll do other things you'll try and eat better if you're kinder to yourself and you're just more positive about things It's interesting can I drag you into the conversation about one of our our dear Phil letters it was from a wife who is in an unfortunate situation with her husband in that when they go out socially he makes a complete ass of himself because he gets off his head on drink, he embarrasses her, he's a nuisance, all of this kind of thing. And a lot of people sort of saying, well, what a, you know what he is and giving mm. her advice. But could we just look at him for a moment? I, as you were reading it, I thought of him. Yeah, before I, I yeah. mean, where is he coming from? from, from the There's something wrong. There's a reason that he's over drinking. He's not going out drinking like down, down in 10 pints. To me, I don't know, is it like a self-confidence thing? Does he have to have two or three pints, first of all, before he can even hold a conversation yeah, with somebody? Because in the letter, she said, they're not very sociable. They don't go out that often. But yeah. when they do, yeah. he go, does the dog on it. That's her description. I have um, just, I've goose pimples, because I, I, I've just, I've come across it before, just once or twice in clinic, um, that self-confidence piece ties in massively with the alcohol piece of people overdoing it at different times or whatever and it's literally from they're not um, able to cope socially so they have the first two or three drinks really fast just to get them over that hump of actually talking to people and then it just spirals because as they become more confident each drink makes them more confident so they like the person they become for that space of time or whatever so they're able to chat to people and they're like centre of attraction or attention or whatever you'd like to say and it just makes them feel more at ease with who they are and and, and they like that for that length of time so maybe there's more to it than just him going out making an idiot of himself it's a different side of his personality that's there that maybe he likes or it makes life easier when he's out so it's, it's backpedal isn't it's it? It's a very interesting take on it indeed and a whole yeah. other dynamic on yeah. it uh, too yeah. uh, Muriel if people want to talk to you or the team how can they do yes. that? So they can give us a uh, Call on zero five two six one four triple eight one or www.marito8020.com. All right, so Muriel, thanks very much indeed. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie yeah, in passing earlier on, I said that uh, we had a smart meter installed at home a few months ago and I didn't even know about it. And Catherine was on to say, Fran, do you know that they're supposed to inform you before installing the smart meter? Well, you see, they informed everybody else, but I just sort of, you know, well, as I'm sure you're aware, I was away with the fairies. I didn't even know. <laughs> 
that it was going to be installed, but other people were, were informed about that. But thanks for that anyway, Catherine. Uh, Eamon is in Feathered for this week's Down Your Way for the Feathered Festival. Here's a little taste of what you can expect this Saturday from Down Your Way. Special skill involved here, isn't there? Uh, I suppose there is, yes, and you learn as you go along as well, you know, and you pick up ideas and, of course, like you always have the internet, you know, and people are great to show their skills and then you pick up from them, you know, so it's all about passing it on, yeah. And of course, you grew up with your dad, of course, naturally enough. And oh yes, your dad was um, he was a construction manager for years. Uh, was always good at carpentry and that, and I think that's why he probably got into the wood turning then as well. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 works like twice a day. He's out in the workshop. He works hours. Yes. <laughs> Some marvellous skill here, egg cups and saucepans and all the rest. Yes, and uh, he makes lovely pens and then he makes the wooden fruit as well, so like pears and apples and that, so, you know, something different more so than just bowls and candlesticks and that as well. Where does he get the wood and the material? Uh, it's, it, it's never something that is knocked for the sake of a tree being knocked. It's, uh, he, would get materi- uh, he would get wood from people who for genuine reasons have taken down a tree and they would give it to him it's like that old fashioned way of I'll give you something and then I'll do something for you Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean uh, dad is self-taught and he actually made his own first lathe as well and the first item he ever made on that lathe he still has at home which I couldn't tell you what it is now at the minute but, uh, but he has yes and then he's moved on to obviously bigger lathes uh, well now as I said as, at, he's retired many years but um, yeah dad um, he worked in Australia for a year and uh, he worked in Nigeria for a year as well and then he's worked all over Ireland like in Galway and Dublin and Cork and Wexford and he was in charge and actually he was in charge of building um, Brew Brew in Cashel yes he was the construction manager on that he's officially retired now well look at every success and uh, good wishes to him we'll hardly be here when he comes down but uh, we want to wish him well and congratulate him on a beautiful stall here yes well I I think everyone in Feather probably knows Johnny Sheehan by now anyway so Yeah, we, we might just drop around uh, someday and maybe do his life story. Yes, absolutely. He has uh, been interviewed uh, for TG4. Um, he was part of the John Spillane series, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been interviewed by Nationwide as well. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, down your way, might just pop in behind all of those. And, uh, yeah, come, come into the workshop, yeah, and he'll yeah. show you around. He'll be thrilled. Absolutely. Yes. Every success and thanks for saying hello. Yes, and wonderful. Thank you very much. That's yeah, a lovely piece, and uh, it's just a little taste of what you can expect from uh, this week's uh, Down Your Way. 10 o'clock Saturday morning, don't forget. Now, Deirdre Darcy Hogan was a juvenile liaison officer in uh, North Tipperary and lost her battle with cancer late last year. Her family and friends have come together to organise a fundraiser to remember her in the lead-up to her first anniversary in November. Monster auction will take place this coming Sunday in Aglish Hall. And to tell us more, I'm glad to be joined now by Deirdre's husband, uh, Noel Hogan. Noel, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And condolences to you, Noel. Would you tell, tell us a bit about Deirdre, Thank Noel, you. if you would? Oh, sure. Look, Deirdre was an amazing person. Um, you know, she always full of life and done so much for so many people in the community at work. Um, she was always on the go, whether it was swimming in her walk and or uh, as part of the local ladies sociable sociable ladies club. Um, you know, she was full of full of joy, full of go, and um, 
you know, back in July 18, unfortunately, and she was diagnosed with cancer back in July 18. And, and how did she deal with that? How did she deal with that journey, um, Noel? How? Uh, it was unbelievable, you know, the determination, how how positive she was on it, and she just, you know, uh, she took it on, and she was so so determined uh, that she was going to fight this, and she went through treatment, had surgery, followed up by further treatment, and got the all clear in 2019, and. Uh, done a fundraiser in 19 herself along with uh, Daily Social Ladies for Naughty Hospice just to give something back that she was so grateful uh, for getting through that uh, at the time and um, you know the, the support of the Naughty Hospice palliative care and uh, the Irish Cancer Society was unbelievable uh, over the years but unfortunately the cancer came back again and, and um, just got the better of her. Uh, Noel, I'm, so, I'm sorry that you're upset, Noel, but it's, it's obviously still extremely raw with you, Noel. It is, um, it is, Bren. Uh, look, it, it's still uh, very soon, you know, it's not that long since Deirdre passed away in the end of yeah. October last. Yes. And um, this is something that uh, Sarah Thomas and Jack and myself discussed, you know, that we, we would at some stage do something uh, in memory of Deirdre to give it back to... Um, Deirdre was always one for giving back and she appreciated so much the help and support that she received from the Souvenirs in North Tip, North Tip uh, Hospice, Palliative Care and uh, the Irish Cancer Society throughout her, her illness. And um, we were doing this in her memory. But as I said, it wasn't something that we had planned to do as soon. Only my three brothers, Eamon, Vincent and Brian, approached me last nearly March that they were going to do with the Dublin City Marathon Register uh, to do it along with my brother-in-law, Tom. Yes. Until Kenny to do the Dublin City Marathon in her memory to raise a few pounds for an Hospice and Irish Cancer. And rather than we supporting them uh, now for them doing the marathon and we doing something again next year, we said here, we'll bite the bullet and we'll do something, work together and make it something worthwhile. And that's that's the journey we're on. We had a launch of our uh, a launch of our fundraiser last um April in, in Paddy's and Terry Glass and the support we had then and ever since is just overwhelming and uh, the generosity of people and businesses all over not just locally but all over the country and um, yeah. well, we're now at the stage on Sunday where we're having a monster auction Would you tell, tell me a bit about it what, what can people expect in Eglish Hall on Sunday? No, They can expect um, there's a huge array of stuff Bren. Um we have hotel breaks uh, a huge array of restaurant vouchers we have an apartment in Spain for safe people for a week in Spain, donated, kindly donated by a family friend. Uh, we have tickets for the all-out hurling and football, premium level tickets for next year. Uh, tickets for Six Nations, rugby, Ireland and versus Scotland, Ireland, Italy. We have horse racing tickets for Galway, Punchestown, Limerick, Ferry House, Grand National. Uh, unique signs, sporting mobilia, uh, a Limerick hurling sign jersey for the all-Ireland winning team. An original, I might add, uh, friend, mm-hmm. an Ireland Dublin football signed jersey, uh, the Irish Women's World Cup signed jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, a very specially donated uh, from one of our uh, ladies on the committee, uh, Paula Connell's original scrum cap, signed scrum cap. Wow. Uh, original Fant- art items. Fantastic items, items, no. Fantastic. A items. huge array, uh, yeah. friend, of beauty hampers and the usual farm supplies and fodder. We have a huge uh, variety of stuff. For both young and old, 
you yes, know. Yes, of course. And if people, you are you still taking donations or are you full at this point, Noel? We have a lot of stuff on. Yeah, okay. We won't stop taking donations. Uh, we have a huge uh, variety of stuff. Uh, it has way, way uh, surpassed our expectations and the generosity of people. And people are supporting us. They're supporting, you know, uh, Deirdre's life of who she was. Yes, of course they are indeed. Um, she was a juvenile liaison officer. That sounds to me like a, a, a difficult job, but rewarding, I would guess, Noel. Yes, a uh, difficult job, yes, uh, friend. Um, dealing with the underage uh, people. Um, but Deirdre could see wrong in nobody. She was always out to help people. Yeah. And if there was an occasion, you know, where someone might, you know, just get sidetracked somewhere along the road, it can happen to anyone. And um, she would do her utmost to, you know, get him back in line and, you know, she'd continue on helping him and the support that she'd done uh, for so, so many. And we heard so many stories at the time of the Deirdre's funeral of so many people, you know, that were so grateful for so much that she did throughout her life. Well, she sounds like a remarkable woman. It's no wonder so many people want to pay tribute to her. Everybody's welcome along on, on Sunday. We we do have a, an air code, by the way, if people want to. It's E53E132. So that's E53E132, just in case people might be too sure about uh, Eglish up there in, in yes, North. Yes, uh, Bren, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, Eglish is just on the outskirts. It's part of the parish of Bursa Cain. Yes. We're a small little village with a, a great community of people. And, and the support we have is, you know, family, friends, neighbours is huge, you know, so. Yes, so this coming Sunday and everybody's welcome. That kicks off at about 2 o'clock, I think, Noel. 2 o'clock, friend, two yes. Okay. 2 o'clock. Right. Our, our auctioneer, dear brother Francis Larkin, is doing the auctioneering for us and uh, 2 o'clock we'll be kicking off. Very, very good indeed. I, I, I'm sorry we upset you, but I was delighted that we could remember Deirdre. The, this morning, Noel. So thank you, yes, thank friend. you so much I, for that. Thank you. Yes, friend. Uh, thank thank you. you. And I just, I just want to uh, just uh, find it. I would just want to thank uh, uh, my own family for their help and support over the last weeks and months, and um, especially for the committee members that have put so much work into organising Sunday. Um, we have worked so hard to make this a success, and it will be an outstanding success. And I just want to say this, and because I have a brother in. Uh, in Ashburn, Eamon, and my brother-in-law in Kilkenny, uh, we decided initially when we sat down and organised the uh, Farm Dog Committee that we decided we'd split the money of the whole um, the whole um, fundraiser between Northy Bread Hospice and the Irish Cancer Society. And, you know, it will, unfortunately, it won't change our circumstances, friend, but it, it will help. Of course, got a lot of people course it will. On the road. No, and I hope you're looking after yourself too, are you? Are you taking care of I yourself? I am, friend. Look, yeah. we, have, we have good days, we have tough days, but, yeah. you know, um, it, it would be very easy, you know, just hide in the corner, but that's not something that Deirdre would want. Yeah. Uh, we have to get up and go and, um, you know, um, the support from family and, um, you know, Thomas, Sarah and Jack uh, being great to me. Of course they have. And no. uh, we just want to keep going. And, uh, you know, um, I just have to mention uh, both uh, our own Sarah here and Anya Brennan for the work they have put in advertising, promoting this on, on Facebook and Instagram. They're working day and night, friend, to, uh, you know, to put it out there and, uh, you know, show appreciation to the business that have contributed so much to this. All right. Noel, you and, look after um, you and have a marvellous day of uh, celebrating Deirdre's life, I suppose, on, on Sunday is, is, is a way to describe it, Noel. And thank you so much. Right. Thank you for your time. Good man, friend. Finally, friend, I just want to, I just want to uh, wish the best of luck to my three brothers, uh, Eamon, 
Vincent Bryan and my brother-in-law Tom and also to Garda Regina McCarthy from Nina who is represent, representing the guards also doing the marathon along with the lads in, in October and I just want to wish them the best of luck it's a huge undertaking to take on the Dublin City yes, Marathon and I just want to wish them the best of luck Alright Noel thanks very much indeed thank you have a, have okay. a lovely day on a Sunday the monster auction there in Eglish uh, Hall from 2 o'clock and I'll just give you that code again if you want to get along there it's E53 E132 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Do if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, Alice spoke to me in the last hour of uh, the programme and she was talking about her difficulty uh, getting information um, about uh, the standing charges on her bill and she said she spoke to a gentleman and he couldn't understand her and she couldn't understand him because of accent. Well, Phil is in Nakaderi and was on to us to say that if Alice uses the internet she can do online chat and ask her questions. No worries about understanding an accent and when finished uh, she can have the chat emailed to her. It's calm, it's civilised, it's uh, um, the best idea via type talk and that's from Phil. You see that's a great idea, Phil, and that works extremely well, I would imagine, for people. Like, but not everybody is savvy about the use of the Bloomin' computers, you see, and that's that's the problem for an awful lot of people out there as well. Noel was on to, uh, to say, I beg your pardon, um, one of our listeners on to say, I think it's Liam, in fact, who was on to say, oh my God, the poor man. My sister Margaret died of cancer in August of 2022. God bless Noel, is what Liam says to us uh, this morning. Um Councillor Anne-Marie Ryan spoke to us uh, earlier in the programme as well about the construction of the steps uh, onto the Mott and Bailey on the Tipperary Hills. And um, John is taking exception to Councillor Ryan because he's saying that she should be impartial on things like the hills and uh, she should be representing uh, all of the people. So I presume John might be one of the people who would be objecting to um, the uh, situation there on the hills in uh, Tipperary. All right, then it's time to talk farming and I'm glad to be joined now by Pat O'Toole from the Farmer's Journal. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, good to talk to you today. Pat, uh, the big agri story has to be the nitrates uh, uh, derogation being cut from 250 kg um, to 220. To those of us who are non-farmers, why is this so important? Why is this such a big story? It's about cow numbers. It's about stocking rate. Basically, uh, the kilos of organic nitrogen relate to uh, every cow every animal has a, a loading of organic nitrogen, which is the nitrogen excreted by the cow. Uh, urine and faeces, blurry and dung, um, and that, uh, that is counted uh, against every cow. So when the uh, limits come down, the number of cows you can carry on your grass platform is reduced, and this means that dairy farmers will have to cull cows. And that's why it's so emotive. Now, is it cull cows or is there the option of acquiring more more land? Oh, yeah. So there's obviously the uh, option of acquiring more land. A lot of farmers availed of that 
at the start of the year because we had a parallel process known as BAN, and that basically um, relates to, I, I've said earlier, that every animal carries a, a loading of so many uh, kilos of, of organic nitrogen is, is um, allocated to every animal. So the allocations changed earlier this year. So under banding, uh, high output dairy cows had their allocation significantly increased, which again uh, effectively reduced the, st- the amount of cows you could carry on your grazing platform. So dairy farmers moved last autumn and this spring, spent huge money renting land, in many cases leases of five and ten years, paying up to 550 euros an acre for land for ten years. Um, now, the problem they have right now is uh, milk price does not support that level of expenditure. They're actually losing money on those cows. And that's in year one, nine years still to go. That's a pretty grim prospect. So while the option is there uh, in terms of what you can do, economically, uh, it's very difficult. And then there are parts of the country, especially, say, West Cork, where there is no spare land. The Golden Vale, there's Mm. not much spare land. If you're up here where I am in, in Wexford, there's a lot of tillage farms, a lot of dry stock farms. It's a very mixed farming area. But you go into Kilkenny, you know, there's very intensive dairy areas where every farm is a dairy farm. And there's no spare land. So there are limits over where dairy farmers can take land. It must be part of the grazing platform to count. So it has to be within reach of the parlour, really. So uh, it's very limiting. And was this... Not expected, uh, this announcement, uh, Pat. Did this come come suddenly? Uh, I suppose it, it's been on the card. So yeah. the limit is 250 kilos and the, the derogation which allows Ireland to operate at that because of our grass-based system was gained again for two years um, and, or for, sorry, for three years. <coughs> um, but there were uh, rules put in place uh, around the derogation in terms of we needed to see improving water quality for 250 to pertain. Mm. And uh, there are a whole r- variety of reasons why water quality is not improving. Um, they're very complex processes and there is a lag time between actions taken and outcomes. So even though dairy farmers and all farmers have upped their game significantly uh, and are operating under very strict environmental controls nowadays, um perhaps the sins of the past are still haunting the, the profile of our waters and not just the sins of farmers. That um, we, we have a very poor uh, profile in terms of the uh, water treatment processing, both public and private. Our septic tanks aren't great and uh, the amount of sewage uh, going from our towns and villages and cities uh, into our waterways is unsustainable and unacceptable. But dairy farmers have to deal with their own issues. So, um, Yes, it has been coming. It's been on the cards. It's still a shock because knowing that something might happen, hoping it won't, and then the realisation that there's no way out of this. And that's what's really happened here. The Minister of Agriculture talked to the Commissioner on Monday looking to see if the 250 could pertain. Um, At the moment, the rules are that uh, where the water quality is diminishing, it's a reduction from 250 to 220. And uh, or where the water quality is not improving, I should say, it's a reduction of 250 to 220, and, uh, and so that's you know a cut of over 10 percent, uh, close on 15 percent. And uh, the minister had a meeting. He's been criticised very deeply by farmers because the meeting was on Zoom. Yes, uh, there are three 
members of the Oireachtas Agriculture Committee out in Brussels and they're meeting the Commissioner uh, face-to-face. But I'll be honest, uh, I think that uh, while the optics of a Zoom meeting don't look great to farmers, the die is cast on this one. The Commissioner is not for turning. Ireland is one of only three countries that gets uh, a derogation. And there's very little political support within the Commission or in our fellow European uh, member states and what happened uh, for this, Ireland to get special treatment. What happened this morning, Pat? Because there was the, to be that meeting with the farm organisations and the, the minister, and we had that announcement earlier on then that the IFA um, would refuse to attend that meeting. Any any news from that, or has that? Uh... Yeah. So, so this is a standoff uh, which preceded this. Uh, I suppose this bombshell broke yesterday afternoon, just as we were going to print and hit our front page um, and hit farmers. Um, uh, mindsets, uh, but but this action was actually planned on uh, on Tuesday at the IFA council meeting, and uh, the reason that that protest was taking place initially before uh, this latest derogations uh, row blew up is in relation to delayed payments. So under the new very complicated system of supports for farming, and payments are going to be delayed, and farmers are uh, uh, unhappy about this. And the Charter of Farmers' Rights were meeting this morning. And this is where farmers get to meet the minister and have their say. And the IFA say that the Charter has no longer become a consultation process. It's where the the department tell farmers how things are going to be. And the consultation uh, is really lip service. And as a result, they've boycotted the last at least two Charter meetings. And they protested outside the planned meeting for this morning on the grounds that... Um, yeah, and the, speak, the speaking, is speaking of that, Pat, I mean, what I find, even as a non-farmer, what I find a great pity about this is that it's dividing farmers at this stage because there's a rather unfortunate video on Twitter uh, this morning of the ICMSA going into the department for the meeting and being called scabs by IFA members who are picketing outside the building. I mean, this is real divisive stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean... If the farm organisations go after each other, to a degree, the minister can sit back and let of them ask it. Of course, um, yeah. So let's get the popcorn out. Um, there, there are uh, national elections in both ICMSA and IFA at the moment, uh, just starting. And uh, that May, there was a protest by one of the IFA presidential contenders earlier in the week uh, outside Ag House uh, on the same issue uh, of delayed payments and also issues with TAMS. Uh, which is uh, mm. the support scheme for uh, for capital investment on farming, uh, and yeah, look, it's fraught. Everything everything is fraught at the moment. Last year was a year that brought huge concerns because of the you know swift changes in input costs because of the effect that the Russian invasion in Ukraine had on everything. And farming was fearful, and it turned out to be a great year. And maybe farming came into 2023 with a little bit of a swagger. And it's been an awful year in every regard. So farmers are they're concerned, they're frightened, they're angry, and they want to blame the minister. The minister's saying it's nothing to do with me. The commission make the rules. And then now they're starting to blame each other as well. It's quite difficult. And the ploughing is in 10 days' time. And yeah. I think we're going to see uh, quite a bit of tension around you know, the Department of Agriculture, the IFA, um, and the other farm organisations quite a bit of tension. That's, that's for sure. Now, you, in passing there, you mentioned uh, the IFA presidency. It looks like two-horse race. Is that fair to say, Pat, at this point? Correct, yeah. Unless there's a very big surprise. Um, 
Martin Stapleton from Limerick is the current national treasurer, was the returning officer, but has just stepped down from that role because it would be a conflict of, a conflict of interest to be a candidate in the election and the returning officer. Um, there is some precedent in that. Tim Cullinan was in the same position yeah. four years ago and uh, was successfully uh, became uh, president, had a, a good campaign. Uh, Martin will be up against Francie Gorman, who is from Leash. She's the current South Leinster Regional Chair. Um, it, it's Munster against Leinster. It's Dairy against Drystock. Uh, Martin Stapleton's a dairy farmer. Francie Gorman is a drystock farmer and a tillage farmer. So, um, there seems to be a clash of cultures there. Whether that will be the lines that the uh, election is fought on, they're both outraged about the uh, the nitrates derogation. So, uh, well, t- Tim was a, a pig farmer, so you know that's correct. Yeah. Tim Cullinan is, is is a pig farmer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, that's correct. And and uh, uh, it, we've seen, you know, Eddie Downey was primarily. Um, a poultry farmer. Yes. Um, yeah. Now a dairy farmer. He's himself and his son have uh, uh, transitioned into dairy farming. Still have a significant poultry operation. But the IFA is interesting in that regard. It's a catch-all organisation. They have uh, a, a huge. There's 17 mm. committees. Many of them are commodity committees. Other than are involved with say environment or farm business or farm family. And in terms of the deputy presidential election, we have the first female national. Uh, candidate Alice Doyle, uh, who's from up the road here in Wexford, uh, originally a Carlow woman, but was actually school principal in our own little uh, two-teacher primary school here, uh, and uh, educated my lads, so I know her very well. Very She's yeah. the first woman to run for national office, a former national chair of Mokernaferma. Um, and uh, she's running for deputy president, and she'll be up against Pat Murphy, uh, who is a Galway farmer. He's currently the regional chair for Connacht. Interestingly, even though it's Leinster against Connacht, Pat is a dairy farmer, and Alice is a dry stock farmer, uh, running a farm with her husband Tom, and they're yes. uh, they're dry stock farmers. So again, uh, the, you know the. Uh, the perception is that dairying is in Munster and Leinster, and Connacht is is principally yes. dry stock. But, but not that's, always the case. Not always the absolutely case. Not. Pat, absolutely not. There's a patchwork of farming. Pat, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, good to talk to you as always. That's Pat O'Toole from the Farmers Journal, and of course, it's on your shelves right now. Before we go, let me leave you with a, a text from one of our listeners, and um, a listener saying, "Just listen to your program today, Fran." Um, uh, what do you make of the following comment? You are responsible for three things in life, what you do to yourself, what you do to others, and what you allow others to do to you. And I love the programme, Fran, and I listen every day. Isn't that lovely? Thank you very much indeed for that. That's it from me, Ali Produced, and Stephen's on the way with the Time Tunnel. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.